0: My allergies. (laughs) Is that the the opening? That's the opening. My allergies. (laughs) Greetings, future lovers. This is Killstreak episode 57. My allergies are going nuts here in sunny Los Angeles. Sunny and dry. Pollen's everywhere. Making my eyes itchy. I'm sneezy. I'm all the dwarves. I'm (laughs) Eric Gosselin. Here with my intrepid co-host, Mike Price, how are you doing, Mike? I'm good. Uh, which dwarf which dwarf do you identify with the most? Um, if there's a, an, <laughs> a dwarf that never has sex anymore and is depressed most of the time. <laughs> droopy, I assume. Yeah, dro- <laughs> droopy. Is, that, is droopy one of them? I don't know. Uh, dopey, Maybe. dopey. Dopey, there we go. Yeah, I, I identify mostly with dopey. I was thinking of droopy like, you know, a dick. Uh, anyways uh, yeah <laughs> yeah my useless shriveling acorn <laughs> keeping with the woodsy
1: theme at least so.
0: yeah hey guys welcome <laughs> if you're joining us for the first time i'm sorry but also but this also, is what you get this is how yeah. it is yeah <laughs> and also uh a weird movie to check on check in on us with yeah prometheus <laughs>
1: yeah We're talking prometheus today we are talking prometheus today uh it's funny eric and i were just talking end segment stuff and we were like should we do like a mount rush gore of prequels and then we kind of quickly came to the conclusion that there probably aren't four good horror prequels no
0: there really aren't yeah and then some of the uh things you're were saying were prequels we were just like looking at lists of like horror movie prequels like well i haven't seen this and also yeah.
1: That's just the one that comes before the other one. <laughs> like, it's not a prequel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're like talking about they're talking about the first movie in the series and they're like, "Well, it's actually a prequel to the third one." And it's like, "No, that's not how that works." <laughs> yeah, the prequels are really weird. They're mm-hmm. um I don't
0: know that I've ever fully loved a prequel to a movie. Maybe Prometheus is the exception. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um but like mm-hmm. in general, yeah, can you even think of any like decent prequels? Decent,
1: I think I can rise to the level of decent. Yeah, um, yeah. a horror exclusively, or or in no? All I just things? mean in general, all all over the place. I mean, I think it's the weakest of the trilogy, but like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, that's a that's a fun sure. movie that I enjoy. Yeah, that is um, fun.
0: That was actually my my first indiana jones movie so that's mm-hmm. kind of like it has a special place in my heart
1: yeah. But also i can i can see that like oh no raiders is
0: way better than that oh
1: god yes and i mean and honestly i think last crusade is considerably better than temple of doom also yeah but yeah i still think it's a good i think it's a good movie still it's got mm-hmm. some stuff that hasn't aged well but you know that's not uh all that uncommon. so it goes I mean, one could make the argument that half of go- the Godfather Part Two is a prequel. Oh,
0: um, sure, okay, yeah, you know. that's a good
1: one. Um, yeah, it
0: kind of is both a sequel and a prequel all at once,
1: right? Yeah, but I I think that mostly they suck, right? Like, and the most famous ones are usually like the highest profile ones are usually pretty bad. Like, I mean, I think what are the mm-hmm. Star Wars prequels the most famous prequels in existence?
0: like oh yeah i I would say so yeah in those i mean you know i should revisit that i've been if i were a single man Mm -hmm. this is the saddest thing i've ever (laughs) communicated yeah if i were a single man living on my own you know 38 (laughs) (laughs) i would uh i've been jonesing to just watch every star wars movie in a row yeah in one day if i can do that math wise you know what i mean just i think it would take almost the whole day yeah, so maybe like over the course of two days. I've just yeah. been, there's so many weekends recently where I've woken up and then just like oh, I just want to watch all of the Star Wars movies. <laughs> yeah. And then real life comes crashing down, crash, in front of me. Uh, <laughs> and, and I have to like wipe my son's ass or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really salty uh, today, guys. Yeah, Mike, right. Mike heard the story off air. I've just been
1: running around all morning and it's been a tough salty. M- it's been a tough morning for Dick Gooley. Yeah. Oh, uh, Nick,
0: Mick Gooley too. You had a tough one
1: as well. Yeah. You know, it's fine. We're going to get all of our aggressions and stuff out um, here on the pod. Um, also the Hobbit movies suck. Just oh yeah. Just throw that that's out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Rogue one is also a prequel. That's a good, that's a good Star Wars prequel. Yeah, that is. That's a good one. Um, hmm.
0: Trying to, th- yeah, I'm like really hitting. Hitting a wall. The, the other one I, I was going like, to throw out ones... there
1: that I don't hate is um, X Men. Um, like First Class, Days that, of Future Past.
0: Uh, that one's okay. Oh, oh, that
1: one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, they're, they're, that's what I meant. They're both um, okay, but th- I think First Class is better. First Class is like not a great movie, but it's a vast improvement fun. over X Men Three. Um, yes, yeah, and it is fun. Yeah, it's fun, um, and, they, and they got some good, some decent ideas. You know.
0: In the horror realm, I remember not completely hating the Thing prequel, although it being extremely pointless. Mm-hmm. It's it's like a it's a combination sequel. I'm sorry, prequel slash retelling. Like it hits the same beats as the original, right? Right. But it is a different set of characters before the uh, the at the first movie. Yeah, there's some interesting things in there, but it's also like why I could just rewatch the thing
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> and, it's, well, and it's much better. And it's funny. Cause I feel like in the last 15 years or so, that's, it's been a real preoccupation of Hollywood's where it's like making movies that it's like a challenge for someone to parse, whether it's a reboot or a sequel or a prequel yeah. or, you know, cause like the thing is, is really, it's just a remake. Right. But then it's like, Oh, but it's actually, a prequel like it leads in but you only find that out at the end and the funny thing is that like i mean that's kind of how i feel about prometheus too it's yes. not a remake but it's a thing where and and i'm sure uh you know we'll hear more about this later about like like what the intention behind this movie was and i think it it did change from being yeah. something that was more of like now, it's just its own thing, and it's like, oh yeah, by the way, aliens, you know? Um, yeah, it is a weird. It's a weird move. Was,
0: it is a weird move. It's one that I've kind of come to appreciate, though. Mm-hmm. Especially, let's get into our our quick blood and guts check here. Sure, yeah. Um, so this is I saw this in theaters when it came out. Same in the Hollywood Cinerama Dome in three mm-hmm. D. Mm-hmm. It was a really really great experience, actually. Um, and I left thinking like that was beautiful. Yeah. Uh kind of a sloppy I, I described it as a sloppy masterpiece. <laughs> um Okay. It's like cuz it's not perfect. The in the issues are mostly in story. Mm-hmm. Uh but it is of kind of a pleasure to watch. Yeah. Um and then watching it this time around after doing some research on it I still have some of the same issues with the, with story points which we'll get into in the recap. Yeah. But uh, in general, I still, I still think it's pretty fun to watch. It's it's a it's a definite watchable movie. Yeah, which is like I know I'm damning it with faint praise. I don't want to like take away my overall opinion of it, that we mm-hmm. our ranking of it. Uh, not a ranking, but like our merry fuck kill. But uh, yeah, I I enjoyed myself watching it. Uh, what about yourself?
1: Yeah, well, uh, so the first time I saw this, it was hard not to be preoccupied by. I think what you're hinting at, which are dumb story choices. Yes. Um, Character, you know, decisions and just like things that should have, someone should have thought about more. Um, And I will say that now this is probably the third time I've seen it. And now that those things are a given that I'm just like expecting them, it did actually make it easier for me to appreciate more of the positive things about the movie. Um, so that's not to say that those things aren't there. And my concern is anybody seeing this movie for the first time is has quite a hurdle to get over in terms mm-hmm. of not being just like frustrated with the movie.
0: Yeah, it's frustrating in a couple different ways because a there's the story problems we're talking mm-hmm. about, which you know, uh, just kind of briefly, it, some of the choices the characters make in the movie yeah. defy logic, uh, especially <laughs> for who they are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, I think the um, I didn't think about this the first time I watched it, but this time mm-hmm. I watched it. Um, Elizabeth Shaw, the Numi. I, I think it's Rapace name, think. is my Noomi guess. Rapace,
1: but I've never actually looked it up, so I could be totally
0: off. She, uh. Although she does a good job, she's a she's a good actor. Um, her character is just isn't very interesting.
1: No, her character is not very interesting. And then I would argue that her counterpart, uh, Charlie Holloway, is terrible, is infuriating.
0: Yes. Yeah, I was very annoyed with him this time around. And I yeah. like that actor, Logan,
1: um, whatever his name is, it's Logan, Logan Michael Green, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I, he's been good. He's kind of like Tom Hardy light.
1: Yeah. Are you uh, so wait? So you're telling me that he's not Tom Hardy? He is not Tom Hardy. Uh, okay. su- surprise, surprise. And right. You can
0: tell because he doesn't talk in made-up accents in every movie. <laughs> but he's been very good in other things, like yeah. um, The Invitation, I believe it's called. It's, mm-hmm. it's like a, a small, like indie horror movie that's very yeah. good. And upgrade, um, he's great. And upgrade, but also oh, he's great. And upgrade, yeah.
1: Upgrade is great. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned the accent thing. Because one of my one of my little notes about this movie is it is a real confusing mess of accents yeah. of who's supposed to be from where and who is yes. who. Yes. And it's and, and the funniest thing is it's like a movie populated with with actors that are going that are doing opposite accents of what they like. So it's like we have English people speaking with American accents. We have Americans speaking with English accents. Yes. And then you have Logan Michael Green, who sounds, because of his just flat, affectless acting in this movie, he sounds like an English person trying to do American, but yeah. not really nailing it because he doesn't have any kind of regional accent. But it turns out he is fucking American. He's just like sleepwalking <laughs> through his part. Yeah, uh, yeah you get. Like,
0: Numi Rapace is, I believe, Swedish or something. Uh, yeah, she's definitely Scandinavian. The world. Yeah, Swedish. She's playing English. British or South African. I couldn't tell. I, think, okay. she, I think she's
1: supposed to be British, yeah.
0: Charlize Theron is playing American, yeah. and she is South African. Yes. Michael Fassbender is from Ireland, I believe. Yes. And he's, he's doing... English. English, sometimes not, though. He's kind of more copying Lawrence yeah. of Arabia. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, Idris Elba. I-
0: Idris Elba, Yeah, a British guy, <laughs> playing American.
1: His name's Yannick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's got a little southern drawl. Yeah, he does. Um, yeah, he's a little southern drawl. Yeah. Did you get Patrick Uh-oh. Wilson?
0: Oh, Patrick Wilson? Yeah, he's British. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but he's
1: American, and he's doing a British yeah, accent. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. He's an American doing... Patrick Wilson... Insists on being in every movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, it is. I I forgot that he was in this, and uh-huh. then when he appeared on screen again, I was like, "Oh, that's not Pat. That's a tiny part. Wait, that's fucking Patrick Wilson." Yeah,
1: only in the it's, movie as a holographic projection. For Guy
0: him. Pierce. Guy oh, Pierce right. is also Australian. Australian. English.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's a yeah Benedict Wong is where is he from? He's from uh England.
1: He is English. Yes.
0: Yeah. Okay. And I guess. He's maybe talking in an American accent. I, I he doesn't He's talk doing something. Well, I mean, yeah. the
1: thing is, so Benedict Wong has like a Chinese English accent, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that's mostly what he's doing. Also looks drastically different in this movie than, than I had to go look it up because I was like, is that Benedict Wong? I'm used to him yeah. being so much bigger. And I think he played... Uh, I want to say Genghis Khan or Kublai Khan in in like mm. a big mini series and like bulked up like crazy for that. And then I just think he's stuck with that body type for like oh uh, wow. like up to now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's funny when you texted me, you're like Benedict Wong is scrawny in this movie. Yeah. In my mind, I was thinking BD Wong. Okay. The the actor from Mr. Sure. Robot. Mm-hmm. And so the whole time I was like, where the fuck? I don't even see him in this movie. And then I was like, oh no, no different person. Yeah. Also if
1: BD Wong got scrawny, he would be, he would be in serious health trouble. Yeah. He is already yeah. Uh, a thin, a thin person. Yeah. Um. But yeah, anyways, accents flying all over the place. Um. But yeah, I mean the, the blood and guts for me comes down to overall. It's, it's, it's very watchable and it has big problems, but it's like, it's an interesting movie. You call it a sloppy masterpiece, which sounds like some sort of barbecue related <laughs> sex act. But uh, <laughs> but Sign regardless up. of that, I think that I think that's pretty apt because it's like it's high highs and low lows is a lot of what's going on here.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I also think that this is a movie that... Uh, it it is trying to bite off a lot. It and, is, it and is. it cannot chew and swallow everything that it is attempting to do.
0: Yeah. So the other frustrating thing about it, um, is to me, is that it doesn't tie directly tie into the alien mythos mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. Until the very very end. Right. I mean, it does and it doesn't. It you know,
1: mm-hmm. look we'll
0: into it. Uh, oh, we're quickly uh, we're switching roles on this episode and probably yeah. the next episode. Uh, Mike is going to be doing the recap I'm going to be doing um, the uh, the little talk before about the making of Uh, so hey if you like it let us know Uh, we're just trying something different I was getting a little burnt out on yeah writing those notes and then Mike was (laughs) like oh I'll very graciously was like I'll do it and then 20 minutes into the movie is like i can't pay attention to the movie would take notes at the same time
1: (laughs) so i watched the movie twice um yeah and i did yeah i did a full note-taking session after i watched it once because i just i was just like in order for me to process these movies the way i normally do i was like i have like i have to put my phone down i have to just like stare at the screen for the whole thing so yeah uh yeah eric does hard work on this podcast in case anybody was wondering Hell yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> you do too. You do too. Because right. the, uh, well, do you want to get into the making of, or do you yeah. want, do have more yeah. thoughts? Tell us, okay.
1: tell us. some. So, so let's start here. I have, I have a question for you. Cause I, I mean, I caught a little bit of this stuff, but I didn't do a deep dive. What this movie went through essentially two different versions of a script, right? yeah
0: okay so what i want to focus on in this um not so it's not so much the like shooting of but more of the conception and Mm -hmm. writing of because to me that i think that's the most interesting part yeah um so what ended up happening is in the early 2000s uh james cameron actually and ridley scott were got together and were uh developing a prequel to the Mm -hmm. original alien um but then Uh, Alien versus predator started ramping up and James Cameron really thought that the idea of alien versus predator would cheapen the brand. I can't say I disagree. Yep. yep. Um, and kind of stepped away from it. They both stepped away from it. It was on hold for about a decade. Okay. Um, and even so, uh, Oh, I got a lot of this information too. It's on YouTube. There's a documentary about the making of, uh, Prometheus
1: called furious gods. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, which is like three and a half hours long. I didn't watch the whole thing.
1: <laughs> I think it's made by the same guy who did all the quadrilogy stuff and who is yeah, that technically makes sense. the director of the assembly cut or at least like the recut of that. Oh,
0: yeah. that makes sense. Because it's definitely like it gets nitty gritty with stuff. Yeah. Um. So there was like, let's say nine years later to nine, ten years later, mm-hmm. uh, the idea comes back across Ridley Scott's desk and he starts to think about it more. And in his mind, they had kind of wrung the xenomorph dry. In his own right. words, he's like, we rang it dry for four films. Mm-hmm. But the more interesting thing for him, thinking back to the original movie, was the idea of the space jockey. Right. Which he's like, I don't even know why they call it the space jockey. We never say it in the movie. Yeah. But it became to be known as a space jockey. And he thought that people weren't asking enough questions about that particular scene, Mm -hmm. which is interesting because we, that's one scene that we like kind of stopped and talked about a lot on our alien episode, because it is like, there's something about it that is kind of terrifying and also like, Oh wow. The world of that they're in is even bigger and stranger than we initially anticipated. Um, so, he wanted to explore those guys, which he now has called the engineers. Right. Um, in his idea, his main idea was that like, what if those engineers were somehow responsible for the creation of mankind? Mm-hmm. Um, so he brought on this writer, John Spates, who, uh, at the time was unproduced. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has since gone on to do like Doctor Strange, maybe not so big of a, of, of a feather in his cap as Tom Cruise's The Mummy, <laughs> which got pretty, pretty well trashed, sure, um, but yeah. also the new Dune he wrote. Okay, that's exciting. Yeah, so th- it was kind of brought to him in a pitch meeting. Um, he was just at a meeting, maybe like a general meeting or whatever, and they're like, hey, what? Um, we're starting to think about an alien prequel. Do you have any ideas? And then, so he's like, well, I'm interested in the space jockey. So he kind of, mm-hmm. like, according to them, they both had this, like,
1: yeah. you know. He said this, exactly the right thing in the room, and they were like, oh, yeah, we are too, actually. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, we're not
0: so much concerned about, like, the, the xenomorphs and all that stuff, but we want to know more about the mythology of the world. Mm-hmm. So um, he and Ridley, um, it's, it should not be, I never realized how big of a control freak, <laughs> in a good <laughs> Ridley way, Scott, yeah. Ridley Scott is um because he was deeply involved in every single step of this like he right. and john spates were in a room together um you know hashing out the uh the the plot points mm-hmm. of the movie yeah um and it so and the main thrust being that like this in this ancient aliens kind of way what if mankind was pre-visited by these engineers and somehow everything that we know mm-hmm. came from that uh, so I want to step, step away from the writing for a second because it does end up going in a different direction. But this surprised me mm-hmm. almost immediately in the writing process. Uh, they brought on production designers. And I think that is really like the impressive thing about this movie is the production yeah.
1: design. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Although um, I will say that I have I think it is all done incredibly well. But I do have like uh, some issues with some of the decisions made. Just in terms of how it fits if if they really are like committing to this idea that this is part of the alien universe.
0: Yeah, like there's some technologies that seem present in this that don't aren't present in alien. But then again, I guess, you know, we can you could argue that the ship, like the Nostromo is a trucking ship that's like Sure. Industrial, yeah, I agree. I think mm. there are that is one of the faults of like a oh, sci-fi prequel is that like, well, you can't have cooler technology
1: than in, than is right. in the original, you know. And the and the thing is, even in 1979, they kind of went out of their way to make the Nostromo feel older and more analog, and mm-hmm. then it seems like that is that is a mission that they sort of abandoned for this movie where they're like, we're going to make this movie like looks amazing, but like the technology and the ship, the Prometheus, like it's very much like, like it's like, it's like the sci-fi version of like an Apple store in the mall. It's like, everything is like very shiny and white and glass. And it's like, this is not projected screens. Yeah. It's like, like this is not the universe that you created.
0: Yeah. I have a problem with holographic screens in movies because they seem way lower fidelity than like just a flat screen television. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like there's like one part. It's like, oh, yes, they are cooler. Mm -hmm. They look cool, but also
1: they're all in blue and.
0: Yeah, this is it's it's weird
1: weird because they have like good and bad holograms in this. I guess what you're talking about, if you wanted to do some work for the movie is like that technology is two thousand years at least older. Oh no, I mean like when Numi Rapace is watching like,
0: she's like watching something in her room eat, when she's like eating with chopsticks, and then the her, Charlie or her, oh. her partner like walks through the screen. And like, oh I know, okay. that just, yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. Whatever she's watching on there would look better on an OLED. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, there's there's this one hundred and fifty dollar TV on the wall in this room that. Looks much sharper than that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, so Arthur Max, a, a
0: frequent co- collaborator with Ridley Scott, also did the production design for uh, mm-hmm. David Fincher's Seven. Okay. Uh, was brought on really early in the process. He had a team of five people working with him, and they would come up with uh, paintings and artwork based on, like, the latest pages of Spates' script. So mm-hmm. Spates would go away, write, like, ten pages. yeah. And then they would design stuff. So, it, but it was constantly changing because Ridley would just come in. He was heavily involved in this too and be right. like, uh, nah, I don't like make this. Like he, he was very specific in his, both in his script notes and in his mm-hmm. visual notes. And, uh, so things were just constantly changing before they even had a finished script, right. which is interesting to yeah. think about like I don't think that's really how it happens. So it's if I mean you're I, not really Scott.
1: I only I watched like the first 20 minutes of the documentary you're talking about and then mm. and then that and then I fell asleep. Um but I did get to the point where like Spates is going through the script notes is like showing script notes from yes, really Scott yeah, exactly. and I literally like started getting anxiety just like Me too, me too. looking at the amount of notes that he had made and I was like that's really cool as a director like being that involved but I'm like Jesus Christ if I wrote a script and then got those notes I would be like fuck I don't I don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um and
0: so, uh, you know, a huge part of this movie was coming up with this ancient technology that the engineers had and really they only had that one scene in the original alien to base uh-huh. this stuff off of. Yeah. Um, and they kind of had a reverse engineer from there, like where, what would the rest of that alien civilization technology look like based yeah. on this? They even brought in, um, HR Giger for, yeah. uh, for a spell to do some consulting on the movie. Um, and they use some of his old artworks as like frescoes, essentially, in, in right. the movie that they sort of also reverse engineered some production design from. Um, so that that was one thing. And then around uh, this time, the script, according, according to Spates, he felt that like because he was an unproven writer, they wanted to attach somebody who had a little more uh, juice in mm-hmm. the, in, the, in the industry. I tend to think it's maybe they just needed to finish this fucking thing. Right. Um, and so they brought in Damon Lindelof. Yeah. Uh, who, of course, we know from Lost and Watchmen. And he took what was given to him and kind of ran with it. Uh, and, you know, according to both of them, essentially all the major points are, that were in Spates' script are in the final product. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to know specifically what Lindelof, um, you know, what big changes he made. Right. If I were to guess, if I were a guessing man, Mm -hmm. a betting man, I would think maybe it's more of the traditional storytelling stuff that maybe he was part of.
1: He is. I don't know. mean, that's what he, I mean, that's the thing that Lindelof is, right? Is he's a big, he's a large scope storyteller, Mm -hmm. right? I don't think... And, and I have mixed feelings like he he seems to have been doing much better work in like the last 10 yes. years than he did. Like Lost was a really impressive start, but it's like a, a show that is famous for raising a bunch of big questions than failing to answer them. Right. Yes. Yes. And I will say that that feels like a trend that kind of continues with this movie. Definitely. It definitely um, does. Yeah, and but I will say that I haven't I haven't watched all of the leftovers. I've only seen the first season, but I know people love that show. It nail. It, it's great. It's really yeah. Good. And I I really really did like the Watchmen series that he did. Um, it suffers a tiny bit from the same thing that I think of as being part of his issue, which is like sometimes he bites off more than he can chew, and some things feel like unfinished or just like too open ended. But the show was so good that I didn't really bother me that much. Yeah. But, and I think some of those same criticisms you could level at
0: this movie. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially especially doing the little bit of cheating that comes from us, for me, having seen Alien Covenant and knowing which questions they sort of answer and which ones that they just completely ignore that this movie ever raised. Mm-hmm. And it, I find it sort of doubly frustrating, and I'm very interested to hear your thoughts. One thing, like I would want you to keep in mind, because for those who don't know, Eric has not seen Alien Covenant. Yeah, I haven't. Um, yeah. Think about it, the, this. There's this dynamic also. I feel like between Spates and Lindelof that was around how the Spates original script was was I think a much closer prequel to the alien series right yeah yeah it had like more xenomorph type creatures and facehugger type stuff and it was it was definitely like unmistakably an alien prequel yeah and scott kind of thought it was a little too yeah close and so then what what prometheus became which is something that was much further away and i think some audiences were not happy about that right some audiences felt like it was too far removed um And I would think like that dynamic, how Prometheus relates to the rest of the Alien series and what Scott was attempting to do with this versus what he ends up doing with Alien Covenant. And I mean, one thing that I can note without spoiling anything is look at the title, right? Like Alien Covenant is a is a sequel to Prometheus more so than it is a prequel to the Alien movies in my mind. But they still made the very conscious decision to be like, we're going to call this one Alien. Yeah. And yeah, think, so, yeah, you'll see more of that in, in the way the movie, you know, is made, too.
0: And that dovetails into the last thing I was going to say about the pre, pre-production, mm-hmm. uh, which is the, car- the creature design, uh, which was done by Neil Scanlon and Connor O'Sullivan. <clears throat> and they consciously would, you know, they used the original creatures mm-hmm. as inspiration, but right. Scott was always pushing them away from them. It's like, oh, we have something that's like a face hugger. No, I don't want... Yeah, a face hugger. I want something that looks like a, a distant relative of the face hugger. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And even like the final xenomorph in the movie is—I don't even know if you technically—they don't call refer it a to.
1: Yeah, I mean the can, canonically, they don't call it a xenomorph. It's actually called Deacon. Deacon.
0: Okay, yeah. interesting. Um, and those did come from some sketches of Giger. Yeah, I think, I think he had some input in that. But really, it looks he wanted something that would look like it would eventually evolve into a xenomorph, right? Um, yeah. and I think that's you know for better or worse. There's some cool, the really cool character design, uh, mm. creature design, but even I think Scott was like, you know, maybe we maybe I pushed a little too far in yeah. that direction.
1: Yeah, and the- I I think I agree with that idea. I think that it just yeah. gets a little and. <laughs> It's not just the distance. I think we'll talk about this more when we hit these parts of the story. But it's not just how far away it is. It's also that there are things that are just kind of too confusing about what the connections actually are. And even like I think of myself as a pretty intelligent person. And I'm trying to do a lot of work to think about like, okay, the branches of evolution and like how this thing would eventually beget this thing that begets this thing. And this movie still is like, wait like how did this come about and then what what is exactly the life cycle of this creature and and it, it there are some things that just really don't make sense
0: yeah so like this movie it, it takes place in 2093 right yeah that's right the original alien i think has been retconned to take place in twenty one twenty two. okay what was it originally though uh i i, I heard somewhere maybe i was wrong yeah, no, it's twenty
2: one, twenty two. Okay. Um,
0: okay. Yeah. Sorry, I just got got down a rabbit hole looking at dates. Uh, <laughs> so even we are to believe that in mm-hmm. you know the hundred thirty years from right. Prometheus to Alien, major evolutionary leaps are happening. Mm-hmm. So like that's still that's like kind of weird, just from an evolutionary science sure. point of view. Right but i guess also these things bind their dna with whatever
1: thing you know yeah yeah uh, and i mean and and i will say that there is more information coming in the next movie that will okay, cool. that will at least clarify some stuff in that respect but
0: um so i don't have much to say about the production it was done at pinewood studios in london okay um, we're back the at budget, we're back at pinewood yeah back at pinewood uh the budget was literally like 10 times higher than the
1: original alien not adjusted for inflation yeah. I mean this is um, this is a massive picture massive like like i i know that at one point in time at least that fox like was really hoping to get a PG-13 rating so that this could just be like a huge huge movie and yeah. i mean that didn't work out and that's probably to the benefit of the film um but yeah, I mean it's like there I don't think you can you can overstate that this is like this is like a big budget studio tentpole film.
0: Yes. Yeah. And it made, you know, half a billion dollars essentially. Mm-hmm. So it was a success. It made its budget back for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> um but maybe you know, I, I think it wasn't as far as movies that came out that year. It wasn't one of the highest grossing movies of the year right and it, you know makes sense it's a strange movie it's a weird fucking movie it's difficult Uh, yeah (laughs) yeah it's it's a weird movie to thrust upon mass audiences
1: Mm
0: -hmm. uh the final thing that i will say before we can get into this other uh portion of the show uh is that um (laughs) i was spinning my wheels the whole time (laughs) You fooled us
1: all, Eric. You pulled the wool I was like, well,
0: because I, I had a thought, and then I was like, okay, And then I lost it once I started talking, and then I was like, well, by the time I get to the end of this sentence, <laughs> I will have thought that thought. Um, um, yeah. yeah. Oh, yes, I remember what it is now. Obviously, a ton of CG in the movie, but mm-hmm. Ridley was insistent of as doing as much practical
1: effects as possible. Yeah. Um, it... <sighs> I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I don't have a lot to say about it, so I might as well just speak my piece now. I think it's well done. It's mm-hmm. I mean, it's a big CGI movie, but it's like it's not green screen stuff. It's it's shot on on sets or in in real amazing sort of geographical locations. Uh, and then they added CG elements where they needed to. And it's like, mm-hmm. It, it's I also watched in this in this past week, I watched the the Snyder cut of Justice League. Oh, uh, yeah. Which is an interesting movie that I have plenty of thoughts on. I uh, don't think it's very good, but it's it's certainly curious and unique. But it's like those movies. It's like nothing is real. Nothing is real. It's like everywhere right. they are is just in front of a green screen. Um. And this is not that like this is this is how I think if you're going to do big budget special effects that are not all practical, like this is the way to do it, which is Mm -hmm. you still shoot in a real place and you still shoot real people. And it's not a bunch of running around with with ping pong balls taped to your head. It's like, you know, it's like a guy holding a creature thing in the middle and and then eventually it's like, yeah, there's going to be a creature there. But it's, right. like, that's a lot better than, like, oh, yeah, the fucking Sin City sky captain of the world of tomorrow, where it's just, like, yeah. t- two people <laughs> standing on a set. In a blue know.
0: room. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they
1: built a lot of I mean, practical tur- stuff, too. Yeah.
0: They did. Yeah, it turns out this really Scott guy kind of knows what he's doing. <laughs> in a <lot> of <laughs> yeah. a uh, Rewatching this, it's mm-hmm. made me interested to watch his TV show, uh, his HBO show, uh, Raised by Wolves. Oh, I don't know anything um, about that. I feel like the aesthetic looks similar Mm -hmm. to me um yeah i'm gonna check it out yeah uh, as soon as i finish chernobyl
1: (laughs) (laughs) which i also finished this week phenomenal uh and borderline horror too i would say i
0: I almost want to rewatch the whole thing again yeah i mean it's only but i don't
1: know it's about five
0: episodes i think right it's an
1: hour longer than the snyder cut (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> written by the guy who made like not another team movie or something. which is
1: crazy yeah absolutely. it's crazy uh it's it's, it's sec- really it's the really second good.
0: funniest thing he's done
1: <laughs> i will say stellan skarsgård is sporadically very funny in it like
0: yeah sure yeah he only has jared a handful harris, of always those great.
1: yeah jared harris is great but skarsgård has all the the like Laugh lines, which are there's like seven of them in three three hundred and thirty minutes of mini series, yeah. <laughs> but when he says something funny you're like it's it's like when a when a college professor tells a joke, you yes, know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's like the whole room just laughs because it's like oh shit, he said something amusing it's like <laughs> it's a really easy room, you know, speaking of easy rooms, I'm gonna hit the bathroom. <laughs> Is it really for you
0: <laughs> no, it's not it's a struggle. <laughs> My pr- prostate's the size of a cantaloupe. Um, <laughs> Ay, <caramba. laughs> I don't know why I'm doing this today. All right. Let's take a quick break and then
1: let's get back with a recap. All right. We're back. Uh, the movie begins with some stunning vistas of what we will soon, or I don't know if we ever really officially find out, is is Earth, but untouched by man we've got some star trek sounding instrumental music and mm. some of that truly sumptuous camera work that everybody i think talks about when they talk about what they like about prometheus
0: yeah yeah and this is done uh, in iceland yes uh, is my understanding and you may, you brought up a good point which is like yeah we never
1: find out this is
0: earth mm-hmm. it's never explicitly stated
1: yeah if you dig around, you can get confirmation, you know, from interviews and stuff like that. And and I mean, that's, you know, that's something that's going to come up a lot when we talk about the plot of this movie. There's a bunch of stuff that never really gets explained, but like there are things that never made sense to me until this viewing. Um, mm-hmm. And that I still only really understood because I read a bunch of stuff on like the Aliens wiki. Um, <laughs> but anyways... We are on um, this prehistoric earth, and we're flying over the landscapes, and we start to see a massive shadow appear, and there's a low rumbling. Turns out it's a big-ass flying saucer, uh, and it hovers over, I'm going to say, a pretty dirty-looking waterfall. The water looks kind of Yeah, the is like black
0: and brown. It's gross. Yeah.
1: Um, we see our first look at what we will eventually learn to be an engineer, and he's in a robe and uh, he has, uh, I'm going to say it's like a little saucer full of some sort of magic space dust. He's totally uh, yoked, too. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, his neck Guy eats man. a lot of lean protein. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, for anybody who's never seen this, they have a weird appearance, sort of a bluish white, almost like vaguely translucent skin, mm-hmm. um, almost black eyes. Right. Like no. Yeah. pupil right yeah in
0: very they all have similar features too Mm -hmm. they kind of look like statues of greek gods or something
1: yes and i think that is deliberate that's part of the design choice right is that they wanted to make them look like something that would have its basis in like ancient history of mankind Mm -hmm. um also they apparently they don't have gender this is more stuff that we don't find out in the movie but you know if you would do a little digging it's just like an a gendered Uh, species so anyways this guy um, he drops his robe shows off the guns uh, (laughs) takes a deep deep pull of space black juice whatever the fuck it is Uh, I don't know ship takes off turns out that stuff wasn't great for him he starts to disintegrate uh, and then he essentially just turns into uh, dust he kind of decomposes rapidly and into the waterfall Mm-hmm. Um, he tumbles down and, uh, as his body finishes disintegrating, we get some close-ups of his DNA tearing itself apart and then reforming in the water or the pool below and we get our opening titles.
0: Uh, uh so we don't have to do this obviously for every scene, mm-hmm. but this is one of the more mystifying scenes in the movie mm-hmm. and Absolutely. it kicks things off. Are we then led to believe that that sort of seeded life throughout earth? Is that, that is
1: my that is my understanding.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's sort of my understanding too. And do you think that that was an intentional move on his part that he was like sacrificing himself to become almost like a seed pod yeah. to populate Earth with whatever will emerge? Because then we see like single cells multiplying mm-hmm. into like, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And there will be a scene uh, much later on in the movie uh, where we eventually are told that that the DNA of the engineers and it's funny because they treat it like a big reveal. But it's like if you interpret this opening scene correctly, it's like not a surprise at all. Right. 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 That the engineer DNA and human DNA is the same. Right. And so that's essentially what's happening is this is the Genesis moment. But it is it isn't a Christian, a Judeo-Christian God. It is the engineers who have given life to the earth
0: and i read that the vatican newspaper Uh and the movie for you know not completely understanding how humans came to be or something like that (laughs) (laughs) for this like opening fair Fair
1: criticism you know i mean yeah uh well it's funny there was i remember i read something there was in an interview with ridley scott uh, he was talking about the ancient aliens thing, and he's like, the one thing that the Vatican and like sci-fi people or like ancient aliens people agree on is that you know humans didn't just get here without some kind of help, um, right? Right. Be it be it uh, God and uh, or or the engineers. Um, the title's throwback to the original Alien. Uh, cool. I mean, it looks good. It says Prometheus. You know, it'd be weird if it's an alien.
0: Uh, it says alien then in
1: crayons gets scribbled out <laughs> comic sans Prometheus. uh next scene we've got uh we're on the isle of sky in scotland it's 2089 more just amazing landscapes um we are introduced to you know two of our main characters we have dr elizabeth shaw played by numi rapace uh i feel like she most she came to prominence in the original Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, right? That's like yeah, that's where thing. I know her from. Yeah. And then we have not Tom Hardy, but Logan Marshall Green playing Dr. Charlie <laughs> Holloway. Truly behaves like a doctor for the whole movie. He's definitely Oh, got... he's very scientifically minded.
0: <laughs> very even-keeled. much. Even keeled. Mm-hmm. Real doctor vibes.
1: <laughs> uh, um, they're uh, on an archaeological dig. Um There's uh, Dr. Shaw. She breaks her way into a cave and we find out that there's some cave paintings in here over 35,000 years old. Uh, She calls her Dr. Holloway and they sort of, she shows him around, shines the flashlight. They talk about, uh, they they find the same configuration. What configuration? We don't know yet. Um, But it's something obviously that they've seen before. They're very excited. They hold hands It seems to be suggested that they are perhaps more than just, uh, you know, working partners. Right. Um, And she says, I think they want us to come and find them. Who find what? I guess we'll find out. Right. Um, Next, we are on the scientific exploratory vessel Prometheus. Uh, We get a little bit of information as we do in these films, a crew of 17. The date is December 21st, 2093. So this is four years later. Um, Mm -hmm. we don't really, yeah, we, I mean, we'll get filled in a little bit on what happened in the meantime, but we've got, you know, uh, some space travel. Uh, we are 3.27 E to the 14th kilometers from earth. It's pretty far, uh, (laughs) (laughs) destination undisclosed. Nobody knows. Uh, we get introduced to David, Michael Fassbender. Um, he is, I love Michael Fassbender. he, He is great in this i would say that he's probably doing the best acting of anyone in the cast i think so yeah it's funny how he has such a specific thing that he does which is like just sort of like fastidious it's like Mm -hmm. his whole vibe right where he's just like very like yeah i don't know i don't really know how else to describe it yeah he's a very
0: tall handsome man who won't eat you like my other my former uh male crush uh, actor crushes army Army hammer (laughs) yeah a man army hammer i found to be dreamy Uh and now i'm (laughs) I'm like distancing myself from okay
1: from my man army i'm sorry i'm sorry you had to go through that um i guess you gotta think for blondes huh um I guess so. I never thought about it. Fast are not a natural blonde as we will see shortly. We get a, we get a little the bit of him. Do not match the curtains. <laughs> Bleaching the roots. You've seen
0: Shame. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah Bleaching the roots. I love that. Yeah. Uh, David bleaches his hair. Yeah,
1: it's such a weird little, uh, note, but yeah, I mean, in this sequence we get a bunch of, it's essentially David just wasting time while everybody else is in cryo sleep. Um, you know, it starts out with he's kind of hovering uh, in a sketchy way around Elizabeth Shaw's uh, stasis chamber. Apparently, it's unclear at this point. Apparently, he can see her dreams. Yeah, um, he's like able to like
0: tap into like her neural network or something yeah, like that while yeah. she's in the pod, and he's able to see her dreams. Oh, I want to. Sorry, not to derail you. I no, want to no, call no. out something that the uh, as. The Action Boys would say the sauna. The uh, Uh, IMDb (laughs) trivia page made Uh a lot of to do about he does a back he does a uh, behind the back basketball shot. Yeah, but on a bike this time. And supposedly that's a reference to Ripley's behind the back basketball shot in Alien Resurrection. I don't buy that for a second. No,
1: I. (laughs) I think it's definitely uh, computer assisted. We'll just say that. Um, Oh, I
0: also don't think, no, I don't think it was even like, Ridley wasn't like, well, everybody loves the behind the back basketball shot from (laughs) Resurrection. Uh, And uh, so I don't think he intentionally put that as an Easter egg for fans.
1: Um, Yeah, it may be possible. I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't you know, maybe he's a big alien resurrection head.
0: Maybe. We don't know. Maybe.
1: <laughs> Anyways, uh yeah, so we've got uh Shaw's dream. Uh she's a kid, she's with her dad, Patrick Wilson, doing a British accent. Um, you know, they talk about some stuff, it's character driven things that have no real impact on the plot. Uh what are they doing yeah there's just
0: like some st- there's some stuff that comes up about like, like death re- rituals yeah like what happens after you die
1: it's yeah. the same thing and you know the movie has a lot of this stuff where it's like i mean the whole movie is preoccupied with where do we come from where do we go what happens after mm-hmm. we die why are we here right and we get every character given their little two cents on this pretty much throughout the course of the movie um What we do learn is that, so he's a religious man, and that's something that has been passed down to Shaw as an adult, right? She's a religious woman. She wears her crucifix Mm -hmm. necklace. Yeah. Uh, David, uh, he bounces a basketball around the ship, like we talked about, rides a bike, uh, bangs in a three behind the back while he's riding the bike. It's a pretty nifty trick shot. Um, Maybe, maybe not based on Ripley. We don't know. There's (laughs) no way to say uh, he's doing a little kind of Duolingo action, learning some uh, some foreign languages. Uh, watches Lawrence of Arabia, which I've still never seen, and it. I actually really want to. I've heard it's great. I have, I have it. I've never watched it. And also really do want to watch it. Do you think we should just cover it in between our next two series? Just just do Lawrence (laughs) of Arabia. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. As we mentioned before, we get a little bit of David bleaching his roots while he watches Lawrence of Arabia. This makes zero sense to me. It's a funny note, but it's like, he's Android. Like what? I don't get it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Can he not just like change the color of his hair with his mind? That's lame. Um, yeah, just a lot of data grows, too, which is yeah, interesting to a me. lot of learning how to be human stuff. Uh, we get an alert from the ship that they've reached their destination threshold. So he heads up to the bridge, opens the shield and sees our destination planet. Some big ass rings around. It. It's it got some moons. Uh, then we cut to a very wet blonde woman is no longer in her cryo chamber. She is now doing push pushups. Hey, get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> I, to be clear, she's, like, her whole body is wet. Um, she's dripping. She's she's dripping with goo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> German goo <guys. laughs> uh, It's Charlize Theron. Uh is a very on-the-nose way of letting us know she's a badass. She's very tough. Um, mm-hmm. Vickers. Vickers. Meredith Vickers. It's been two years and four months in cryo sleep. She tells David to wake up the rest of the crew. So we get our very familiar uh, alien series scene of everyone getting out of cryo sleep. There's a lot of barfing. Uh, Shaw and Holloway are excited. Idris Elba is decorating a mini Christmas tree. That means Prometheus uh-huh. is a Christmas movie. <laughs> Prometheus is a Christmas movie. It's also a That's new... That's fucking crazy. It's also I'm a New Year's movie, too. It yeah. is, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, though literally twice in the entire movie, this Christmas tree. And then in the end narration, she acknowledges happy new, new Year. Day. <laughs> that is the degree to which this movie uh, focuses on being Christmas. I read some crazy review where somebody was like, and the fact that it takes place over Christmas and the birth of Jesus. And I was like, they literally, there's just a Christmas tree. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is not a theme in the movie. Um, we meet some other characters. We've got Milburn, the biologist, um, Played by Rafe Spall. Oh, we didn't mention this. This is a British guy doing an American accent. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Rafe Spall, who I know originally from Shaun of the Dead. He's like the he's like the shitty teenage co-worker of Simon Pegg. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't the, remember him. From he that. sells weed. Um, yeah, he's in a bunch of stuff. He's a, he has a much bigger role in... Um, what's the next one on the Cornetto trilogy? The uh... Oh, the uh, Hot Fuzz? Hot Fuzz, yeah. Yeah, he's good. I like him in a lot of stuff. Um, he tries to introduce himself to Fifield, uh, the geologist, who is an incredibly grumpy red mohawk Sean Harris, who people might recognize as the nasal voiced big bad from the last two Mission Impossible movies. Um, have you seen this?
0: Yeah, I was trying to place. I haven't seen those. I was trying to place where he was from, though, because he's very,
1: very recognizable. Yeah. He's got a little bit of a rat face. <laughs> Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's good. He's good in those movies. He's a little over the top in this one. You know. Um, oh, I wanted to... Oh, I,
0: I really want, quickly just wanted to point out mm. Idris Elba in this movie. He's fucking great. Yeah. He, I think him and Michael Fassbender might be doing the best. Yeah. Like, I really would like to see a movie where Idris Elba's character is the main character and Shaw isn't because I think he's just intent... Like, a thousand yeah. times more likable and yep. charismatic than she is uh, in this movie. I agree. And that's no fault of, of hers. It's just the character she was given. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, that's my. Yeah. And there's rant.
1: like, I'll say this too. Like, one of my big criticisms of this movie is the ways in which it fails to emulate the best parts of the original Alien, which is like sort of the clean simplicity of the characters and the plot. And it's like, this, there's, there's a lot of trying to inject extra stuff into every corner of this movie that i think weighs it down Mm -hmm. and i think that like you see a lot of that with shaw's characterization where she has like no time to be a character because we're constantly being told things about who she is yeah instead of just letting her be who she is and he kind of does get to just be like hey man i'm just the captain i'm like i'm not fucking around yeah yeah i love steven stills uh, my, my pickup game is terrible, but I look like Idris Elba. So I get laid anyways, you know, yeah. um, anyways, uh, yeah, uh, Milburn and Fifield will sort of be our Laurel and Hardy Abbott and Costello pairing for most of this movie. Fifield's very grumpy. He's not here to make friends. He just wants to make money like all geologists. Um, yeah. Why else do you go into geology except to to get those big to boys. make
0: some some greenbacks?
1: That's right. Um, so uh, Vickers comes in; she's doing her no fun boss lady thing. The briefing is happening. Uh, she wants everybody in, whatever the gymnasium area. Uh, so we move to our next scene. Everybody's sitting down for it's like a business <laughs> seminar. Um, and uh, we get this little Weyland Corp intro video. So no Yutani yet at this point in no. time. It's just Weyland. Um, and we get our introduction to Peter Weyland, who is Guy Pearce in not very good old man makeup. Okay. So Guy Pierce, great actor. Yep.
0: Uh, that old man makeup is so distracting that I... Th- couldn't remember exactly what happens with his Mm -hmm. character, but I was like, well, Oh, it's because at some point he's young again.
1: Yeah. Not in the movie. No, he's not.
0: Oh, so maybe that's a covenant spoiler. I don't know. No,
1: but I mean, well, yes, one, he does appear again in covenant. um, But, you know, I will say like, (laughs) it would seem that the main reason that he's Guy Pearson, old man makeup is for this, a uh, supplemental youtube clip that i sent you which is him yes. doing like a ted talk essentially um from like 2023 or something yeah yeah i mean and he I'll, I'll say this like he is he is in still old man but much younger old man makeup like he's just aged up a little bit in alien covenant cuz we do get like a flashback scene of him mm-hmm. um but yeah it's it's just like you know you could just cast two people as young Wayland and old Wayland, yeah, yeah. You know? Or just
0: have an old man in like Irishman in his face to be younger in in whatever scenes you need to. Be, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. He's not exactly sprinting around and like. Yeah, he anyway. doesn't have to climb over a bridge and throw a gun in the river. Um, <laughs> looks like he's gonna break his fucking hip. Anyways, uh, the he doesn't Irishman... have to have a, like an old
0: man ponch, <laughs> but he's supposed to be like twenty seven. <laughs> Hey kid, <laughs> uh, what? Uh, yeah. Hey kid, you have the body of a seventy-five-year-old man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have Jack disease. Um. Anyways, uh. Yeah. So this is basically like the Jurassic Park video, but not as much fun. Where he's like, "So you know, you're all here. Why are you here? I'm dead already." Blah blah blah. Um. He hits on his favorite themes of the meaning of life and death. Uh, really shits on David for not having a soul. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> the Android. So this is the first confirmation that David is an Android, but I think it, it wasn't like a secret. I know going into this movie, it's like from the trailers and everything, you know that that's David's deal is that yeah, he yeah. is the Android on the ship. But there's some confirmation here. Um, Waylon introduces Sean Holloway. They're the ones who know why we're here. They're going to give everybody the breakdown. This is something that kind of bumped me a little bit. So end the huge hologram presentation that has been this. And then Holloway comes out with a Rubik's Cube that just does a less impressive holographic presentation. Hologram, yeah, I
0: know. <laughs> it's and it's like, very clearly a Rubik's Cube.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's all white though. It looks like it looks like an Apple Rubik's Cube. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh throw some holograms up. He he starts walking us through pictograms that he and Shaw have discovered from disparate civilizations, completely different eras. The common thread is each one shows these five stars in a particular configuration and people worshiping uh, a very tall man. Um, So uh, from this, they have determined that there is only one place in the universe where you see five stars in that little shape, which, sure, why not? Um, yeah. and they found that planet and it has a moon capable of supporting life. And guess what, folks? That is where we are. Um, so we get Fifield being the resident skeptic, he pushes back on them. And uh, essentially, now Shaw introduces this concept of engineers. He wants to know, well, who's there? What are we looking for? The people who uh, we call them the engineers, he says, engineers of what? She says, hey, of us, right? Um, Rafe's ball pipes up. He is also skeptical, but not as skeptical uh, as Fifield or as I am skeptical of his American accent. Um, <laughs> next scene. So uh, Vickers wants to talk to Sean Holloway. She pulls them into her fancy lifeboat. So she doesn't just have like a room on the ship like everybody else. She has what they refer to as an FTL light bulb. Uh, I believe FTL is faster than light, uh, positive. I believe so, yeah. yeah. Uh, but so she can survive completely on her own. It could detach from the ship. This may or may not come in later. Who knows? Um, everybody's going to sit down and have a drink. Uh, we get in there. Shaw, very psyched. There's something called appalling med pod. She remarks that yeah, there are only 12 of them like geeks out over it. Yeah. Um, we don't get too much information about it now, other than don't touch that. It's very expensive. Um, so Vickers continues to be kind of a one-note asshole. Uh, she doesn't really believe in the engineers. She wants to make it clear that she's in charge. She's a real hard ass. You know, Holloway pushes back a little bit. He says, uh, Mrs. Vickers, is there an agenda you're not telling us about? My company paid a trillion dollars to find this place and bring you here. If you had raised those monies yourself, Mr. Holloway, we'd be happily pursuing your agenda but you didn't. And that makes you an employee. Right. Uh, So kind of setting the tone for everybody's relationship here. Shaw wants to know if she, Victor's essentially tells him you can't touch anything. No contact with species. If you find anything, she says, if we can't make contact with them, why did you even bring us here? And she just says that Waylon was a superstitious man and he wanted a true believer on board. Uh, Yeah. This again, never really pays off i don't know i mean it's just like it's yeah. her thing it's her character note but there's not really any i don't know logic i
0: think charlize theron gets done dirty in this movie she has a shit role she doesn't have, like she's good she's always good yeah she's never but, like bad. she's never bad um
1: but yeah she just like doesn't get to do all that much yeah she gets one thing to play the whole time which is just like i'm cold which yeah. is also kind of, like, a pretty uh, outdated, reductive, like, stereotype yeah, bl- of, like, a, a woman in charge. I'm a charge. statuesque
0: blonde woman who's yeah. cold.
1: Yeah. yeah, if I'm in charge of anything, it's because I'm a cold bitch. Yeah. Uh, anyways. um, So, we we find out that they've been sending kind of a la, you know, like, the gold record that they sent into space. You know about that?
0: Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, I can't, I can't remember the name of it, but yeah, it has like how to say hi in every language or right. you know, a bunch of major languages and got how to directions
1: to earth. Good songs on it, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So so they've been blasting communications down to the surface of the moon. No response from the engineers. Uh Tom Hardy wants to know how David's human lessons are going. Um he has been studying all the languages of earth. And he thinks he might be able to communicate with the engineers. We will find he is out. He's
0: such a dick to David. Oh, my it God. It always rubs me wrong when people are dicks to androids in these movies. Because I just don't, I, I don't totally buy it. Yeah. If there's something, like I'm nice to characters in video games, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I think, and I, I don't think that's yeah. specific to me. I think that's just a human trait right. that we are nice to things that look like us. Mm-hmm. And so I think that he, like, I don't know, it just kind of, it always irks yeah. me a little bit. I mean, bit. The aliens like, yeah, at least. Dude, I hear you bunch of bolts
1: yeah ripley gets a motivation which is she was almost murdered by a, an android like in her totally. time like weeks earlier um totally we get nothing like that in this Holloway's just a fucking asshole um mm-hmm. and he's a huge asshole to david um so uh now it's time to land on the planet we get sort of some more introduction to another character her name is ford uh, she's played by the lady who plays Lysa Aaron in Game of Thrones who breastfeeds her 12-year-old kid. Uh, Oh, that's yeah, her? That's her. She has the fun. world's thickest Scottish accent. It is very entertaining. Um, I just love it because it's clearly her actual accent. If it's not, it is a bold choice. <laughs> um... So she gives us a little info on the planet. Uh, The weather's nuts. The air is poison. Two minutes without a a suit and you'll die. Mm -hmm. Um, They're coming on down. David quotes his favorite movie, Lawrence of Arabia. He says, there is nothing in the desert and no man needs nothing. Um, Holloway uh, spots a place for them to land. He sees a road, essentially. He says, God does Mm -hmm. not build in straight lines. Um, So they land the ship. Uh, Holloway uh, wants to go out. Yannick wants them to wait until morning and thus begins the uh, Prometheus and alien covenant tradition of professional people exhibiting zero caution or professionalism on a scientific mission.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And that just continues through this section of the movie.
1: Yeah. And this is what we were hinting at towards the beginning of the episode, which is I think probably the single biggest flaw in this movie and in covenant is just these characters making terrible decisions that don't really seem to have any basis in real motivation. And like, it's just, it, it makes no sense. All it does is drive the plot forward, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This is something I've complained about in the past with latter seasons of game of Thrones. I think they, they were really bad about that where it's just like, we well, got to move these chess pieces around the board. So people are just going to do dumb stuff. Yeah
0: yeah so for as highfalutin as this movie is in its presentation Mm -hmm. at the end of the day like some of the plotting and the character decisions are all standard b movie yeah plot points and that's kind of my biggest gripe of this entire
1: thing yeah it's like oh yeah we
0: have you know let's let's continue because we'll get to we're getting to sure
1: yeah so holloway uh calls david boy i guess like a pinocchio thing but he's really just being a huge prick uh-huh. Um so everybody's kind of suiting up. Uh, you know, Holloway wins the argument. They're gonna go down onto the planet. Uh Shaw asks one guy why he's got a flamethrower, says it's for security. Uh Holloway wants to know why David's wearing a suit. Uh he's essentially it's to fit in. You know, you humans feel more comfortable when we mm-hmm. act like humans. Uh Holloway says, They're making you guys pretty close, huh? David's response. Not too close, I hope. Uh, <laughs> i like that line yeah it's a good line uh so the whole team rolls out they got some dune buggies they got like a big kind of tank truck sort of thing um got helmet cams like an Aliens. Yeah. and we get our first real looks at the structure that they are approaching so we've got a giant dome um maybe who knows a quarter mile across hard to say but it's it's big it's got yeah. like a a little kind of swoop thing on the top. And then it's it's surrounded by uh like a giant, almost complete circle. Imagine like an omega, but without the little kind of feet at the bottom, right? It's just Yeah, like,
0: like a, a an open circle.
1: Yes. Um maybe a half a mile wide. Um They're asking questions about it. Fife Field, the the geologist, they want to know, uh, is it man-made? He can't tell, but he can tell that it is hollow, right? So mm-hmm. They arrive, they head down into the structure. Uh, Everyone's suit has like a big dome helmet with a pretty nifty little neon yellow green light in the back. Just uh, works for color and atmosphere. I I like it. It looks cool, yeah. Yeah. But again, it is one of those things where it's like, there are notes in which it seems like, oh yeah, it's kind of like a little old fashioned, but it mostly, it's just like everything looks a little too new and fancy. To be a hundred years before Alien. Because Alien, all the technology felt lived in. In this yeah. one, it feels
0: brand new. Which and maybe it's could, because they're yeah. coming from the directly from the Wayland Corporation right. or whatever the, the company is. It yeah, is so a trillion dollar sense. expedition.
1: Yeah. True, it makes yeah. sense. Uh, but just just thematically, I, I'd rather have it feel more like what we're used to. Yeah. You know? Right. Um. So, Fifield pulls some shit out of his bag. He calls them pups. Uh, I looked this up. It's like an acronym that actually is some, for some sort of scanning device. So they're not just arbitrarily called pups, but they're these little drone orbs. Um, imagine like the silver ball from Phantasm, but uh, they shoot little red light everywhere and they essentially 3D map the entire structure. They just fly around and map all of the space, which is like uh, a current technology, not the flying it? part, not the
0: drone part. But they are. Huh backpacks that you can wear that like kind of okay. do the same thing, but you have
1: to do the walking through. Sure. So, yeah. It's a cool idea. And I, I mean, it's, it's, cool. one of, it's one of the pieces of technology in this movie that I like because it's like, that is nifty. It like um, maps, it like maps 3d spaces in real time, essentially. Right. Yeah. Uh, so he lets his pups go and then he howls like a wolf and his helmet gets all fogged up, which feels kind of like a design flaw. Yeah. Um, Anyways, they enter into a larger cavern, and there's, like, rain coming down. And I did wonder if this was sort of like a throwback to the Harry Dean Stanton scene in the original Alien, where he's... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Where he's, like, kind of, you know... Drinking the rain. Yeah, the indoor rain. So, it turns out, David lets everybody know, uh, the air is totally breathable inside the structure. There's some kind of terraforming happening uh, related to the melting of water in this rain. So... Uh, dumb move number two. Holloway's like, cool. I'm gonna take my helmet off. <laughs> yeah. So that's one
0: of my huge issues. Like, yeah.
1: I don't believe any respectable
0: scientist. Yeah. Who is voyaging on a alien planet for the first time mm-hmm. would remove their helmet, even if the air was breathable. It's fucking yeah. crazy. And then not only that, but as soon as he does it, everyone else does too. Everybody else does it, and he's like, I'm not wearing this thing anymore. It's like yeah. he's like total anti-masker vibes. Oh, like man. it's if it, 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 that plot point drove me insane yeah not Same. one person be like i'm leaving it on i don't care sure. i would say it, it is. is
1: the second most frustrating plot point in the movie to me. yeah
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so they start searching around we get some pointless color stuff on the ship with the two co-pilots it truly could not matter less so uh yeah i'm skipping it um David finds some goo on the wall. We get a close up look at it and there's all this like little shit moving inside of it. Yeah, it's like bioluminescent. Yeah, it's cool. He seems impressed. Uh, He starts hitting some buttons. Uh, Apparently, He's really good with buttons in this movie. He just has a way of figuring out how things work. Uh, Mm -hmm. We'll chalk it up to being an android, I guess. Uh, So he hits some buttons on the wall and it fires up our surveillance hologram. So this is something we'll see a couple times. This is what I thought, Eric. You were talking about earlier with like oh, low no, no, quality no, this holograms. No. Yeah. No, no. So it's essentially like we we get to see playback of what happened here, but instead of watching a surveillance video, it's like holograms of the of the engineers running around in the space that they were in. So I think it's a cool idea. Um, Sometimes I'm frustrated by it, but I will say that it's like, yeah, I mean, it's it's unique enough that it's like, okay, interesting, I guess. It um, feels
0: it's very convenient for them. <laughs> and it for is for us very, as the viewers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, we just get. <laughs> like to, it's
1: essentially you get to watch a flashback. Oh, it's like a diegetic flashback, essentially. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So we we what we see is a bunch of the engineers sprinting down the hall. Everybody seems like they're kind of freaking out. Um, so that they run down the the hallway away from the team. So they take chase to see what the hell's going on. Uh, they catch up just as the last guy into this room falls down and then a door closes on his head and it looks like he got decapitated. Uh, they walk up and his desiccated corpse is still there. Mm -hmm. Um, so David fiddles around for a little while trying to get the door open. Fifield has like a mini nervous breakdown out of fucking nowhere out of nowhere he's yeah like, i didn't sign up for this shit i love
0: rocks i'm here because i love rocks you guys don't love rocks yeah <laughs> like
1: yeah he has like a little temper tantrum and then says he's leaving and then milburn uh because he's his comedy partner is like i guess i'm gonna go with him yeah um and then they leave and we will meet up with them later and this also frustrates the hell out of me but we'll get me to too. why shortly um, David gets the door open just as Shaw is saying, Hey, maybe we should wait to open the door. Oops, sorry. Uh so they enter a room and it is full of these sort of obelisk-shaped vases. Mm-hmm. Um it's the first thing we notice, and then we get a little close-up that there are worms on the ground. So there is some form of life here on this planet. Mm-hmm. Um they are looking around this big throne room. Uh, it's not actually a throne room, there's no throne, <laughs> but um, no, but
0: there's a there's like a giant head statue. Yeah. And, and also uh, there's the head of the decapitated. engineer right. As well. Yes.
1: So yeah, right on the other side of the door is the head of the engineer. And uh, Shaw immediately remarks. It's incredibly well preserved. Um, so the there, like, like Eric said, there's a giant humanoid head kind of statue in the middle of the room. You'd recognize it from the poster of the movie. Um, then, uh, what do we see? We have on the, the walls. We've got some of those sort of, uh, murals or frescoes that you were talking about. Yeah. Definitely Giger. some, yeah, it's Giger stuff. Definitely some like kind of Xenomorph looking business. It's hard to make out. Yeah. Um, friend of the podcast, Matt insisted that he saw a queen. I took a couple looks, didn't see anything to to back that up. So uh matt you might have to send in a voicemail or something to really argue your case here because i i will say that i think we see xenomorph type creatures i don't think that i i was able to make out anything that looked like a queen No, I, i i didn't see it either yeah um david starts looking at a vase close up and it's starting to bubble up some black goo from the top which he notes is organic in nature um Shaw realizes that they must have altered the atmosphere in the room because the murals on the ceiling are changing? I don't know. Uh, also, because they're not wearing their fucking masks or their hel- <laughs> their
0: helmets. They're letting their own... Like, that. that's what drove me crazy. It's like, yeah, yeah. that's why you don't take your fucking helmet right. off.
1: Yeah, they're breathing all over everything. So she immediately freaks out, shouts at Ford to help her bag the head before it decomposes, right? Um... We jump over to the ship outside. A storm is brewing. Uh, We find out there's silica flying everywhere. Enough static electricity to melt your suit. Yannick wants everybody back on the ship ASAP. Vickers jumps in because she needs to be a bigger hard ass than anybody says they've got (laughs) 15 minutes before she shuts the door. Um, So everybody's scrambling to leave the Vaz room. David, uh, you know, like a teenager in a in a forever 21 is just like stuffing stuff into his backpack. Um, he gets a vase and literally just like throws it in his bag. Uh, as they run out of the room, we get a little lingering shot where we see black goo pooling around the bottom of a of an, another vase nearby. And we see some of those native worms writhing in it, which uh-huh. this was a detail that I think I noticed in the movie, but had never really put together until this viewing. I did not yeah. until you just said it. really wow yeah yeah yeah. i I didn't i didn't really put that together it's very it's i will say it is too subtle it is Mm -hmm. and apparently there's a deleted scene that clarifies this a little bit more but they decided to leave it out so um we are back outside dune buggies are racing the storm to get back to the prometheus uh they make it just in time but as they're going over the bump Shaw drops the head in a duffel bag off the ship. uh, (laughs) Kind of like an Indiana Jones losing his fedora moment. Yeah. So she she races back out of the ship to get it. And in her attempt to recover it, she gets blown away by the storm. And then we get like, honestly, like a couple minutes of pointless action business. Holloway goes after her in a buggy. The buggy blows away. Looks like they're both fucked. They're going to die in the storm. David comes flying to the rescue on a pulley line. He pulls them back in. Holloway continues to be an asshole to him, even though he just saved his life. But uh, Shaw thanks him and, and, and he is appreciative. So we, we do uh, all get this... a little bit of this. Like, sorry, go ahead.
0: Oh, I say all of the storm stuff, all the shots mm-hmm. of the storm,
1: all practical.
0: They look cool. (laughs) They look very cool. They they, They do. They're definitely not real. Yeah,
1: they're not practical. There's not actually silica flying everywhere. Um, Yeah. So now we get another incredibly frustrating piece of business. So apparently, for no reason that has been made clear, Fifefield and Milburn are still in the dome. Yeah, they're like lost. The guys, the guy who made the map, is lost. The guy who made the map and the guys who literally announced that they were going to leave a half an hour before everyone else yeah, are just wandering around inside the dome. So even though we have a geologist and a biologist, they're just two fucking dipshit idiots, apparently, mm-hmm. because that's what the plot demands, not because it makes any sense. Um, Yannick lets them know that they're just going to have to bunk down until the storm is over and then uh, the crew will come back and retrieve them. And... Weirdly, they don't seem that worried about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody's just super casual about this whole thing. It's not like they have a tent. They're just like wandering around in this dome overnight uh, on a foreign planet. Um, So then we end up in the med bay. Uh, Shaw and David and Ford are scanning the engineer head. Um, And it turns out that this proboscis like head that it has from the first movie that we would recognize from the original space jockey, not an elephant head creature. It's a helmet, right? Mm -hmm. They scan it and they realize, uh, it can be taken off. It's too heavy for them. So David comes in and cracks it, pulls it off. And underneath is the head of an engineer. Um, but he is in pretty bad shape, even disregarding the fact that he's been decapitated. Um, there are cells new cells in a state of change on his head. thats sort of a vaguely cancerous type situation. Yeah. Doesn't look like a good situation for him. Uh, Shaw gets the idea that they could jam some sort of battery needle type device into his ear and temporarily bring the head back to life. At least it's uh, nervous system.
0: Yeah, I, I guess so. Like, I'm not really sure what the end game is there Yeah, to see it twitch around.
1: Yeah. It's literally the end game is to get this, Pretty cool effect scene, but also it's, mm-hmm. there's no real point. Um, so yeah, they bring the head back to life. It starts twitching immediately. Clear he's not having a good time. Uh, <laughs> seems to be in a lot of pain. Head starts to hemorrhage black stuff, which apparently smells terrible. Um, everybody rightfully is extremely uncomfortable. And then they they kind of uh, seal it up in like a in like a vacuum sealed box right in time to prevent it from exploding all over everyone. Yeah. Um, and also, just you know, in like again, some frustration on my part. The Tom Hardy character, what's his name? <laughs> Logan. Charlie Markson Holloway. Green. Yeah, Charlie Holloway is getting drunk in the corner of the room. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. They don't like give a, like him a, any sullen,
0: reason. a sullen, a yeah. sullen teen.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So our next scene, we get David in kind of a white rollerball helmet. Um, he's he's communicating with someone, someone he calls Sir. If only we could figure out who it is. I don't know. <laughs> we'll never um, know. Yeah, we'll never know. He he pats so, somewhat lovingly a cryo chamber, uh, and then has a confrontation in the hallway with Vickers, who's continuing to play the one note she's been given. Uh, angrily wants to know what he said. We don't know who he is yet. David won't say anything. She like throws him around which again is kind of a dumb move because it's like he's an android. We know he's like super strong. Super strong, yeah. She's like trying to physically intimidate him. <laughs> it makes no sense. Uh David says that he said try harder. Uh at what? I don't know, I guess finding stuff. It's not totally clear.
0: Yeah, it's not completely clear what the end game is with all this shit. Yeah.
1: Um So then we get uh, Sean Ford taking a look at some of the engineer's DNA under a microscope. Meanwhile, in the other room, David cracks open a cold vase. (laughs) Um, uh, Sean Ford discovered that the engineer DNA is human. This is a huge revelation for them. For us, the audience, it's sort of a yawn moment. Um, David takes apart the vase, which uh, tell me what you think. I thought I wrote down. It looks kind of like a VX gas rocket from The Rock if it was made by a medieval apothecary.
0: I wrote that it, it looks like a dragon dick crystal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think both of those are equally accurate. Um, so there's some there's some goo, but it's like packing goo. It's not really clear. Um, and then he there's some glass rods inside in in the rods is like water with black stuff. Yeah, he cracks it open. And again, it's just like there's a lot of confusing parts. And it's like, so this is the same vase that was just oozing goo when it was in the dome. But now it's like all sealed up inside these glass c- containers. And it's really just like, I mean, it's interesting looking stuff, but it, it does seem like a kind of messy Yeah,
0: what what is it we're looking at when the black stuff comes
1: out? Right, we don't know. But he gets a little bit of the black goo on his finger, and he looks at it real close and says very seriously, "Big things have small beginnings." I like the shot of his
0: fingerprint has has like patterns on it. It's pretty cool. Mm -hmm.
1: It has the Wayland logo on on his on his fingerprint. Yeah. Um. So, David decides to go visit Drunk Holloway and bring him some more alcohol Mm -hmm. and a move that's not at all transparent. Um, <laughs> Holloway's still being an asshole to David. He's pissed cause he's not going to be able to find out why the engineers created humans. Uh, and again, like it is unclear to me why he is so upset. They've literally yeah, discovered alien species for the first time, presumably ever, uh, in humanity. Right. Yeah. Also, he's convinced they'll never find the engineers. Why? Cause there just weren't any in this one building they found. Right. Uh, like, they found a planet that they were on. It's like, this is a huge deal. It's a
0: huge, huge find. Right. They found so much stuff that they could then, like, you know, analyze right. and, and,
1: and yeah. figure There's out the meaning of. There's decades of research to do now. Just you haven't even gone found. through the
0: whole mound yeah. yet. There's You can go back in there tomorrow.
1: <laughs> yeah, they were in one room, and then they had to leave because of a storm, and now he's drunk and angry because everything's been ruined. He like, makes no fun. Uh,
0: this character is infuriating.
1: Yeah. um, They have a little bit of an existential s- discussion. He wants to know why the engineers created humans. Well, David asked him, well, why did... Humans create me, he says, because they could. Well, that's not really exciting to hear. David says, "Imagine how disappointed you would be if you heard that from your creator."
0: Yeah. Fair point. I like that line. Yeah.
1: Um, David asks Holloway, "What would he do? What would he be willing to do to find the answers that he's looking for?" Holloway says, "Absolutely anything." Well, let's drink to that. Pours him a glass of champagne. Very quickly. David spent some time at the club. He's quick with the dose. Um, (laughs) Drops a little bit of black goo into the champagne and Holloway goes bottoms up. And uh, hey, our little on board experiment has begun. Uh, So we go back to the dome. Fifield and Milburn are investigating. Uh, They find a pile of dead engineer bodies. Uh, Milburn... Rightfully tells Fifield not to touch them because yeah. that makes sense. We, we, he's not consistent on this advice, though. Um, we're back on the ship and Yannick is jamming out on his mini accordion. And, um, <laughs> he notices a life form ping on the map and takes the opportunity to scare the shit out of Fifield and Milburn. Um, they get freaked out. Everyone's just hoping it's, it's a malfunctioning pup, but they decide to go the other direction regardless. Um and then we catch up with Shaw uh in her room she is wondering aloud if there was an outbreak uh that caused the engineer head to explode is there some kind of contagion maybe it seems very possible uh drunk holloway then shows up he has a rose um he gives her a rose he's like pissed but also excited it's like his energy is very confusing Mm-hmm. Um, they have another like existential conversation, four of seven in the movie. <laughs> um, you know, she lets him in on the news that the DNA is the same that they must have made us. Uh, and then he posits, "Well, does this mean that you don't believe in God anymore? <laughs> have you <laughs> have you now abandoned all of your religion?" And she's like, "Well, no, because we don't know who made them." Right. Again, fair point, I guess. Um. He sort of mocks her religion uh, because any old schmuck can create life now. Uh, she gets triggered because apparently she can't create life. Yeah, um, she she can't have a baby. Yeah. Um, and then he uses this argument as a direct segue into sex, which as someone who does have to uh, you know, use some delicacy to begin the sex act at times, I'm going to say this does not check out. <laughs> no, I wrote
0: my one note for the scene is, the, this relationship sucks. <laughs> yes.
1: Imagine if this was your foreplay. Uh, mock a woman's yes, religion, hey, then give her a still, hard time about how in she can conceive. <laughs> hey,
0: you still believe in God now, dummy?
1: Yeah, dummy whose womb doesn't work. You fucking idiot. <laughs> oh, let's fuck. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> that's basically what happens. Um. So we just get a little color stuff now uh, on the bridge. Vickers comes up and she's, uh, you know, kind of hassling Yannick whose accordion. We find out belonged to Steven stills. So yeah, uh, expensive. I would imagine. Um, <laughs> he starts flirting with her. It's flirty. They go back and forth a little bit. Uh, he, his move is to ask her if she's a robot <laughs> to basically challenge her humanity, which, uh, you know, as soon as she hears that, she's totally DTF. Um, <laughs> and like i mentioned before pretty clearly because he looks the way he looks and not because of anything smooth that he says. right uh but yeah she says yeah my room 10 minutes okay they're gonna go screw um meanwhile fiefield and milburn have made their way back into the vase room um Fifield is i guess getting stoned
0: right? yeah what the fuck he just has like they're like he's like vaping on something inside his helmet, yeah. and uh, the other guy is like, "Hey, is that tobacco?" He's like, "Yeah, tobacco." Yeah. <laughs> what the
1: fuck? Right.
0: You're scientists. You're stuck in an alien Yeah.
1: yeah. So this is probably my least favorite scene in the whole movie. Mine too. Which is a bummer because it has probably the best creature effects in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this could have been, and it still is scary. It's just so dumb. That it, like, ruins this whole experience for me. Um, it moves too fast. All the character notes are wrong. So, Fifield's getting stoned, and then literally, like, he barely finishes delivering a line. And then he's like, "Who? what's that? Because he sees something sort of slithering around in the black ooze on the ground. Um, he spots this, it's it's like a snake, essentially. But it looks kind of like a big dick. Mm -hmm. Um has like a yeah. flappy mouth, almost like a cobra's <laughs> head, but like... Well, so it starts out, it looks like a balled up fist. So yeah. it really looks like a, it's, it's, it's very sort of penile. In it's the
0: proverbial baby holding an apple. Baby's arm it, holding an apple. It really is. That's what it looks like. <laughs> yes, it does.
1: Uh, it's like, a, yeah, it's kind of off-white pink. It's gross. Um, so, Fifield is understandably scared, but Milburn, the biologist... Mm-hmm. Wants to pet it. Mm-hmm. He keeps calling it baby. He mm-hmm. says it's sweet. He knows nothing about it. It's so infuriating. Yeah. Um. It even starts to act like a defensive cobra. Yes. Like it yes. opens its head up. Yeah. It's, just, it's basically
0: like, get the fuck away from me. Ah, like, oh, look at you, sweet little thing. It's, it's, yeah. like, it's
1: so, it defies
0: any reasoning.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um. So... Very reasonably, it attacks his arm, um, grabs his arm. Eh, he realizes how strong it is, and then it wraps around his arm completely. This is all all of the stuff on his arm, with the exception of it's going to do its regenerating thing in a second. Almost all practical, right? They built like right. six of these things. They look great. It's it is truly scary. It's just like I wish they had better plot and character it actions just, to go on. And it with seems
0: it. like such an easy fix.
1: Yeah. Like they could have done this another way that wouldn't mm-hmm. have been infuriating. Yeah. And I hate to do this, but it's like, this feels like a Linda kind of thing to me. That's what I,
0: I was going to say that as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't want to give him too hard of a time, but he does have this tendency to just like move pieces around so he can serve his bigger narrative. And it's, He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who writes real very well. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyways, uh, the dick snake breaks his arm. Uh, (laughs) It's awful. It's like a compound fracture. Makes a hole in his suit. Uh, He's screaming at Fifield to help him out. Fifield tries to grab it. It Makes things worse. Eventually, he gets his utility knife out and cuts its head off. But what would you know? It sprays acid blood all over the place. Uh, Hits Fifield's helmet. His helmet starts to melt. He takes a header into the pile of black goo. Things are going very poorly for everyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, The dick snake immediately regrows its head. It takes like three seconds. And then it crawls right into the hole in Milburn's suit. Does like a quick, uh, you know, 360 around the inside of his his helmet and then goes straight down his gullet. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's pretty gross. And yeah yeah it's
0: it's unfortunate because there's cool shit in the scene but like Mm -hmm. at its core it just like does not work
1: yeah so from this point things start to move uh and i do appreciate the pace of the second half of this movie i think Mm -hmm. because this is around the halfway point and we've had like a lot of you know it's it's been i don't want to say slow moving but it's been like a lot of setup and now all of a sudden it's just like everything from here on out, kind of goes. Um, so let's see, where I lost my place.
2: Uh bu-bu-bu-bum.
1: Yeah. Um, there we the go. Snake, yeah. The yeah. Snake the snake in the, in the throat. So it's dawn now. Holloway wakes up. He's clearly not feeling well. Um, he splashes some water in his face. He sees it's hard to tell what it is. He sees like some weird stuff moving around in his eye. Yeah, it's like swimming around in his eye. Yeah. Um so he's pretty freaked out, but gets interrupted by Yannick, who wants everybody to suit up because it's time to go find Fifield and Milburn. Um, on the way out, uh, as they're leaving, he tells David about the the weird ping they're getting. He says it's probably just a broken probe. So David, you know, graciously offers to find it and fix it, uh, you know, the whole time, just sort of like he might as well be like tapping his fingers yeah, together yeah. like Mr. Burns. <laughs> um so we we follow David at first off on his little solo mission uh to find this this fucked up probe. Vickers gets him one-on-one on the comms and tells him to uplink his video feed to her room. Uh so he finds the pup it's stuck in front of a locked door which David gets open revealing a room holding thousands of the vases stacked mm-hmm. up kind of like ammunition. Um He moves into the next room. He finds some more engineer corpses. Uh, Then he spots something good. We're not sure what it is yet, but he kills his video feed to Vickers. Um, And this raised some questions for me about, like, I mean, we ultimately find out that David doesn't really serve Vickers. Right. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't technically have to follow her directions. But I would also argue that he doesn't really seem to serve anyone. Anyone. Yeah. Which feels a little bit dangerous. Um, but maybe that's you know racist against androids for me to say, so uh, raises some of the big questions. Um, so he moves in, and, and we're on a bridge like in the original derelict ship, it would seem, mm-hmm. uh, from the first alien. So, meanwhile, back in the original Vaz room, and, and I'm gonna keep switching between Vase and Vaz vase, uh, throughout <laughs> the show just to keep you guys on your toes. Um, Holloway's doing a lot worse, he can't walk straight. Yannick wants to know what's oozing out of the vases. Shaw doesn't know. They weren't doing this before when they were here the first time. Um, They find Milburn's body. They flip it over. The helmet is smashed open and he is very dead. Yeah. Yeah. Ford notices movement in his trachea though and then the snake comes flying out of his mouth and slithers off into the black goo and it is a good jump scare. It is. Yeah.
0: Um, it looks fucked up too yeah
1: definitely um Holloway is completely losing it wants Shaw to tell him what she sees what's wrong with him He, she won't say She, but she acknowledges his eyes does,
0: are all like bloody inside They're yeah like, he's fucked black up
1: veins on his face he does not look good um so yeah we get the snake kind of can of peanuts moment <laughs> and then um Ford uh completely freaks out apparently this was sort of akin to the john hurt uh chestburster thing like she was not told what was gonna happen oh really so very much got like a real scare which feels a little bit uh, manipulative but hey whatever it makes for a good reaction shot <laughs> um so everybody uh gets moving to evac holloway uh vickers is on the comms and she wants to know what he's sick with good question She's the only person who, at least at this point in the movie, is making somewhat reasonable decisions. Yeah. Uh, We come back to David, who is exploring the bridge. Um, He finds some, like, rubbery egg buttons. That's my dog, Bowie. He probably sees a small child. Oh, no, it's the Amazon Prime guy. (laughs) uh, (laughs) He's my dog's arch nemesis. Yeah, same.
0: (laughs) My my dog. Anytime... Oh, the other day, sorry, he stole a shoe from, Uh and ran outside, and then uh, his, like, command for stopping and dropping, what Mm -hmm. he's doing and coming back is, look at me. Okay. And so he ran outside with a shoe, and I shouted, hey, look at me right when a attractive woman walks by and she just kind of like looked at me and I was like,
1: uh, <laughs> what do you think? Huh? <laughs> hey, look at me. <laughs> I'm a person. <laughs> nice. I like that. It's a good move. Um, yeah. So David's jamming on some like rubbery egg looking buttons. They seem very fun to touch. Uh, yeah, I wanted to press them. Uh, <laughs> he figures out how to make the captain's chair spin out. He's, jumps up in it it's a huge chair he's like a 10 year old in the back of a conversion van um then the hologram surveillance thing starts up again and he watches there's a bunch of engineers in the room and they're they're essentially getting the ship fired up uh one guy starts up the ship with a flute yeah flute yeah like yeah and, like, no joke all the controls pop up yeah <laughs> it's like willy wonka starting his boat um <laughs> then uh the guys like jam- <laughs> he looks like a fucking future dj he's like jamming on all this there's like <laughs> lights everywhere it's pretty silly but uh, you know it looks interesting the whole room kind of turns into like a holographic 3d planetarium right so mm-hmm. they're like navigating but you can see everything in space um the the same sort of strains of star trek esque like space exploration music from the intro pick up in the score again David's totally mesmerized watching this whole stuff and he, he realizes he can grab uh, like one of the holographic globes and like hold it and it's earth. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then everything abruptly stops uh, again for reasons unclear, but he notices that there is a cryo chamber in the room that still has power Uh, and he goes and checks it out and there is an engineer in the cryo chamber what he he listens closely and he has a faint heartbeat yeah uh so big big reveal um so we're back on the uh the evac holloway is getting way worse on the ride back to the ship Um, yeah he's he's not in good shape no um Vickers refuses to open the bay door to the ship. She grabs a flamethrower. It's
0: very similar to the alien one scene where Ripley does the same after uh, John Hurt's character gets
1: absolutely face hugger. Yeah. It's definitely playing the same note and she is not going to let Holloway on board. So everybody is basically screaming at her again. doesn't make sense because she's being reasonable. I get Shaw is upset and that makes sense because that's her like lover essentially. Right. But like Yannick, the captain who, by the way, his whole character note in subsequent scenes is going to be, we can't let what's here on this planet get back to Earth. Yeah. But for the purposes of this scene, oh, he's arguing that they should bring Holloway onto the ship and put him into cryostasis. Yeah. Right. Like, again, totally doesn't make sense. It's not an in-character decision. Uh, it's It's an emotional moment. Shaw's losing it. Holloway is sort of staggering towards... Vickers and he looks back at Shaw. He tells her that he loves her and then he essentially commits suicide by like flamethrower cop. Yeah, suicide
0: uh, by Vickers. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: she, she lights him up, uh, and he dies. And Shaw is understandably very, very upset about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there goes the worst character in the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. gone just in time. No, gone too late. Um, So we wake up with uh, Shaw in the medical bay. Uh, David is taking her necklace. He says it might be contaminated. Seems fishy. Um, She wants to run blood work on everyone on the ship. If there was a contagion, we got to figure out what's going on. David seems unconcerned. Um, Mm -hmm. Then he asks, not too delicately, if she and Holloway have boned recently. Uh, (laughs) Just checking, you know, quarantine purposes. And he does a scan She's pregnant. He says, Three months. Yeah. Three months. Uh, then he asks again, Did they bone? And she says, Yeah, but it was 10 hours ago. And immediately I was like, Well, did you also have sex three months ago? Like, that's where right. my mind would go. <laughs> right. <laughs> but she's like, No, there's no way I could be pregnant. We had sex last night. I was like, Did you guys never have sex before? Yeah, this is the first time. <laughs> it's very weird. Um, and then David, you it's know, it's not very- that
0: weird to not have sex for three months. <laughs> <laughs> A running joke price and I have is how infrequently married people have sex.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, A joke. It, it terrifies sure. me to my core. Um <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um anyways Then David very casually drops, well, it's not a traditional fetus. And no, you can't see it. She wants to see it. He wants to see it.
0: She wants to see it. He won't let her. Right. He like turns the
1: screen away. (laughs) Yeah. It makes no fucking sense. It's like, why would you tell her if you're going to do this whole like game? Right. So she understandably gets upset. He wants to see. She wants to see. He won't show her. He says, the best thing we can do is put you in cryo until you get back to Earth. We don't have the facilities here. To take it out of you, and then he drugs her, uh, sneaks the you know needle into her arm. As she passes out, he just decides to get extra creepy and starts talking about her father dying from Ebola. Ebola, yeah, yeah, and how it's similar to this situation. <laughs> it's very weird and on the nose. So yeah, he's she like passes.
0: full villain at this point. Yeah,
1: it's full villain. She passes out. We 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 revisit her later. Ford. Uh and her thick Scottish accent have come to put her in cryo with the help of another guy whose character we never really got yeah, to know. I don't know. They think she's all doped up, but it's a fake out. Uh she knocks them both out like pretty violently. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh which Again, it's like, I get it. Her survival instincts kicking in. But also it's like not established that they're bad. It's just David. Yeah,
0: you don't really know what they're going to do to you. Like, right. So I she
1: maybe gives one of them like permanent concussion symptoms. Who knows? <laughs> um, so she's running down the hallways. Um, you know, we're seeing some other stuff happening on the ship. But our main focus is with her. She makes her way to the med pod. Uh, if, I, if I may, this, is, this yeah.
0: is my favorite scene in the movie, I think. Agreed. This it is one the that scene... like, stuck out to me when I watched it, and I loved yeah. it again. Stays with you for a long time.
1: So she gets to the med pod. She punches in that she wants a cesarean, but it turns out that the pod is calibrated for men only, which mm-hmm. makes very little sense because it's in Vickers' lifeboat. Um, so she has to go into the manual settings, and she programs it to surgically remove a foreign body. Uh, she jabs herself with what I'm guessing is a painkiller. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And then she climbs in and we can already see something kind of pushing its way out of her abdomen. Um, I love her like kind of like single minded dedication in this scene. And I think Mm -hmm. that this is the best stuff that she gets to play. And again, I think part of the reason is because no one is telling us, how she feels or or what her deal is we just get to see her being like a fighter essentially Mm -hmm. yeah um so she's in the med pod it's taken too long to run diagnostics we can see the thing poking at her stomach she gets some quick anesthetics and then the lasers go to work she is very sweaty and clearly not having a good time um they get her some the thing is the machine gets her stomach open and then we get like a claw machine arm (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah I was, I was thinking like that cannot be
1: accurate <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh it goes it goes into her stomach uh just Mitch it misses getting the nintendo switch and <laughs> uh pulls out like it's it, it first is sort of like or it's like circular it, it, you know it, it comes out and uh, it's almost like a, in a placenta like a like yeah like a, like a birth sac, and there's an yeah. umbilical cord yes and it's uh congratulations it's a squid yeah. uh it's extremely aggressive um and is immediately kind of going for her face yeah it's or, like
0: it like opens up the tentacles mm-hmm. are flopping everywhere yeah and she's stuck in this med pod with it
1: yeah uh it's really gross mm-hmm. um and it's practical right it's like a real uh you know it's a real thing it's radio controlled or whatever it looks great it's terrifying she uh, yanks out um, the umbilical cord and um, gets stapled up uh, and then immediately has to climb out of this thing is like doing the limbo underneath it uh-huh. while it's wriggling around. It's like a terrifying moment. Um, kind of like dream, almost the dream logic type of situation that like really yeah. feels. This It is sort
0: of that body horror I was asking for. Or like yeah. In like four or whatever. Yeah. Like like it's, it's scary as fuck.
1: It is one of the best body horror moments of this entire series. I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, definitely a highlight of this movie. So she gets out, she closes up the pod and sets it to decontaminate. And it seems like the monster has been incapacitated or perhaps killed, but she bails pretty fast. Um, so we're back in the, uh, cockpit. Yannick sees Fifield's monitor pop back up, his camera. He's right outside the ship. Uh, the level of the camera, it's like his it's, it's, it's helmet camera is on the ground. Um, so some of the crew guys in the back, they open up the door, and the guy sees Fifield. What do you know? He's doing... He's, uh, it's like a super dwarf. Um, <laughs> he's not even on his knees. He's completely folded up. Um, like, it's just his... It's like yeah. all of his limbs are folded up, and he's just like kind of like a little <laughs> <Super> collapsed,
0: <storm. laughs>
1: collapsed man. Yeah, he's, he's like looks superstar. like a Goomba. Yeah, from Mario. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, who's been squashed like a Goomba who's been yeah. jumped on. Um, but then he, the guy, turns around. He's like, "Hey, get a look at this." Fifield unfolds and uh, immediately punches the guy to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's all fucked up. He looks. I wrote this no offense meant to a hilarious comedian, but he, for some reason he looks like a mutant Kevin mcdonald uh, yeah. his, his his head shape is is
0: weird um there was a this scene got extended a bit uh-huh. uh, uh, sorry uh there's more to this scene before, okay, and originally he had more of a xenomorphy head shape
1: got it yeah yeah that's yes i yeah um and that's one of the things that they, like, went back on because they wanted to, like, sort of move this away from the alien mythology, right? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. cool. uh, Just check, check the time. I'm already going to do one of the longest recaps we've ever done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: you're, you're like, I'm, it's about halfway through the movie and we were an hour yeah. in. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, you know, things are going to, I'm going to try a different approach on Covenant. This is my first time doing any recap, so I think I just wanted to make sure I did it right. You know, first you got to learn the lines before you can start changing yeah, the way you course. deliver them, you know? Hey, man. Um, we've all been there and by we i mean me just you mess 56 times <laughs> um, so uh what do we get we get the dude just starts ripping apart the crew we get he's jumping all over the place he's punching guys to death he's jumping on their stomachs they're spitting blood violently murders most of the guys there they're shooting him doesn't do any good Yannick has to come out and take care of things. So one guy runs mutant Fifield over with a truck. Then mm-hmm. another dude shoots him with a shotgun like five or six times while Yannick's hitting him with a flamethrower. They finally took care of him. Um, we cut back to Shaw who's stumbling around the ship post surgery. She falls into a room upon Wayland, who is not mm-hmm. dead. We none of us are surprised. Um, he is kind of post defrosting and David is washing his feet. Yeah. He's like Uh,
0: anointing his feet.
1: Yeah. Very on the nose stuff. Um, turns out he was in cryo the whole time because he only has a few days of life left and he wanted to use them to meet the engineers because he thinks they can keep him from dying. Um, really big logic gap there. Yeah. I don't know. Just like, well, yeah, they created us. They must be able to give me, Eternal, Eternal life, life right? No. Like, sure. I mean, you're an egomaniacal billionaire. uh That seems that seems like something they would believe. Is this Elon Musk in 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 forty years? Oh, maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, why do you think he
0: wants to get to Mars so bad? so bad? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Meet the engineers. Yeah, uh, <laughs> with his fucking what is this daughter's son? I don't remember his kid's name. X A E. I didn't even know he had a fuck. kid. Yeah. Him and Grimes have. A oh, kid.
1: that kid. OK, that one already happened. Good to know. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to that kid's going to have a weird life. Elon uh-huh. Musk with this fucking David Android <laughs> carrying him around. He just gets stoned together. Um, <laughs> so Shaw's like, no, this is a terrible plan. They aren't what the, we thought they were. This is a bad place. We need to get out of here right now. Wayland is uh, he is unbothered. He needs to know. And it makes sense. I mean, he's about to die. So this guy doesn't give a shit about anything. Um, So Shaw needs to spend some time looking at herself in a mirror and just toughening up. Uh, Mm -hmm. She puts on Holloway's ring, which weirdly fits, even though, you know, they're two different sizes. (laughs) (laughs) I miss him and his skinny fingers. Um, (laughs) His face on her fingers. (laughs) She slams a few Tylenol and starts suiting up, getting ready to do something. Yannick shows up and pretty much provides similar to Brad Dourif in the last movie. This feels like a line that was written late in production because it's just like, it doesn't make much sense. What's going on. We need to tell the audience some, some important information. So he bursts into the room and just lets us know this is not the engineer's home. It is a military installation. Yes, how the fuck does he know that? (laughs) Yeah, uh, because we need to know that. That's how Um, they put it out here because they're not stupid enough to make weapons of mass destruction on their own doorstep. So Mm. he is now confident that they engineered the black goo. It got out. It turned on them. And now it's uh, fucking up their crew. Shaw tells him that one of the engineers is still alive and she has to know what it has to say. But he doesn't care. The only thing he cares about is making sure none of this shit gets back to Earth. So now he's responsible with quarantine. Um, mm-hmm. And he will make sure that it doesn't. So uh, we see Waylon and the crew finishing their suit up to go travel back to the Dome. He's surprised that Vickers came on the, uh, on the trip. Uh, she tells him he's going down there to die. Uh, he does not appreciate her negativity and thinks she should have just stayed home. Uh, turns out that she is his daughter uh they have a shitty relationship she pretty much wants him to die so she can take over Mm -hmm. um this feels pointless to me
0: yeah it really does it's like i don't know it's at this point in the
1: movie like uh we don't need it what are we gaining what are we gaining from this more runtime more things that i have to recap um you don't have to yeah that's such a good point uh, notes for next week so Shaw's coming with uh, David just really viciously dunks on her
2: <laughs> says, yeah. says, says
1: I didn't think you had it in you Dr. Shaw oh sorry <laughs> poor choice of words <laughs> <laughs> it is an epic diss um, they all head out uh, on their dune buggies and they get back to the dome everyone's taking their helmets off again for yep. no apparent reason it's um, safe now we all got that. Yeah, Sean is. Shaw is like, "Hey, the contagion might be in the air." David says he knows it's not, and then she figures out, "Oh, he killed Holloway." Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, she does it all with her eyes, though. You know? <laughs> know. So back on the ship, Yannick's trying to figure some shit out. Uh, we get we get a fun enlarge rotate. Oh, I love Mag- those. Enhance, magnify. Enhance yeah enhance uh realizes that there's a ship underneath the dome that's what the structure that they're in is Mm -hmm. um back on the ship they're on the bridge david's giving everyone a tour of his 3d planetarium um it turns out they were headed back to earth why sometimes to create one must first destroy david gets into the process of waking up the engineer did you want to say something no, no, I was, no. It was, I was mimicking Shaw's reaction to this. <gasps> she yeah. like has a big reaction, I think. <laughs> yeah, a lot of it's like, uh, yeah, and I have thoughts on this, but we'll wait until he wakes up the engineer. So uh, the engineer starts to come out of its cryo sleep. Uh, he's big, he's a big boy. He is. Um, it's about nine feet tall. Looks great. Really looks great. And I don't know, they must have done some of that Hobbit lord of the rings shit that they do with gandalf because They're like forced perspective stuff. yeah because it definitely is a real person yeah and he is towering over everyone else shaw like so so waylon tries to a- ask a question and here's the thing i think there shouldn't be any billionaires okay like i am not pro billionaire mm-hmm. but i will say this he paid for this entire thing he yeah. got everyone here This is his whole deal. And then he's trying to ask the engineer questions and Shaw's just like shouting questions. Just like, why are we here? What did you do? What did we do wrong? Why do you hate us? (laughs) And understandably, he's like, can you shut up, please?
0: (laughs) And also this thing is 2000 years old. It's been in cryosleep for 2000 years old. And you're shouting like, why do you hate us? Like what? (laughs) I don't fucking know you. (laughs) What are you talking about? Yeah.
1: It is a weird, obnoxious situation. So Waylon has his muscle guy, just hit her in the gut with a gun. Classic, (laughs) classic action movie move, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so David asks Waylon's question to the engineer. um, do you know, did Did you see, so the language, this is a real language. Or oh, at I least didn't know that. It is a so language An actual that, language? Yeah, it's called Proto-Indo-European. Huh. And it's, no one really knows how accurate it is because, you know, it was spoken thousands and thousands of years ago. But it's essentially the, it's the root language for like all of the, you know, Indian, like Indo, uh, what continent, and then like European, it's like it's like the basis for a lot of languages, right? Like, and the question that he asks roughly translates to this man is here. It's not even a question. It's actually a statement. This man is here because he does not want to die. He believes you can give him more life. Hmm. The engineer reaches out and sort of gently touches David's head. And it feels very much like a God sort of patting, you know, the head of his, his child type of situation. And, then he picks David up by the head violently and rips his head off. Yeah. Uh and then he hits Whalen really, really hard with David's head. Mm-hmm. Um immediately kills Ford, kills the muscle, mm-hmm. uh, just really shredding through these folks. Shaw runs off and, and, and the engineer lets her go. Whalen with a giant contusion on his skull, clearly dying. His final words. There's nothing and david says i know have a good journey mr wayland (laughs) that's great it is great all these are all the best part like like david just being like kind of a sassy android are a lot of the best parts of the movie um wayland dies and back on the ship vickers very unceremoniously says okay it's time to go home my Mm -hmm. dad's dead now um on the bridge, the engineer file, fires up the old familiar space chair in the, in the middle of the room that we know from the derelict ship in the first movie. He jumps in. He gets his elephant helmet on. Uh, the ship fires up and gets ready to take off. And Shaw racing out kind of gets blown out of a blowhole, more or less. And we yeah. can see that the whole landscape is transforming as the ship gets ready. And it turns out it's like a giant bay door essentially right like and all Mm -hmm. these panels start to retract uh but you know she's sprinting around and has to like jump across chasms and stuff it's all very heavy action um she gets on the radio to yannick uh and and lets him know that the ship is taking off and he has to stop it um vickers is not having it she wants to go home um and and shaw says if you don't stop it there won't be any home to go back to um, Yannick points out that the Prometheus is not a warship and she knows that, but he has to do it anyways. So it's clear that Yannick is preparing for now a kamikaze run because he doesn't have weapons mm-hmm. on the ship. Um so despite Vickers' protestations and, and her argument that it's her ship, he gives her forty seconds to get to an escape pod and he says, I'm gonna eject your lifeboat onto the planet, that'll give you two years. You can you can take that or you can stay on the ship with me. Um and so she, very frustrated, <laughs> runs for the escape pods. Yeah. There's two co-pilots on the ship that have been really poorly sketched out as characters for the entire movie. Uh, they announce that they're going to die alongside Yannick in this crash. Again, it's like unnecessary added stuff. One of them is Benedict. Uh, yeah, Benedict Um And they add almost nothing. Um, yeah,
0: they really don't. It's disappointing.
1: Yeah. Uh, So they line up the ship, they fire their ion propulsion that rockets them right into the alien ship as it's taking off. They all throw their hands up in the air. Yannick yells hands off and then they crash. It's a direct hit. Uh, The alien crash craft crashes back down to Earth or I should say to LV-223 and then starts rolling along like a like a donut dropped on the floor. (laughs) Yeah, um, only a thousand feet high. Um, here's one of the last very frustrating notes of the movie. Just dumb stuff. So Shaw and Vickers are both in the path of this giant. Uh, it drives donut. me crazy every time. This kind of do you thing want to those. do you want to say do you want to explain
0: if I, if it's what you're talking about. Inst- so they keep running forward. Yeah, they're in, in the path, path of it. Yeah, of the thing, which I also think maybe we could change the name of the movie to Roly Moly uh anyway um <laughs> and instead of just running off to the side to safety yeah. they continue just to run forward that drives me insane in every movie that this kind of thing happens in
1: and the movie even goes so far to like show like it accidentally show how dumb this is because yeah. shaw eats shit and falls down and is literally able to roll roll out of the path of this thing. Like she just rolls like a kid on her back and gets out of the way. And it's like, Oh, so you could have just run three steps perpendicular to the path of this thing and been fine. But instead she's sprinting and Vic and Vickers keeps going. She falls, gets crushed. just is
0: crushed. Yeah. Yeah. It's dumb. It's such a dumb, unceremonious way for her to die.
1: Yeah. It's like a, it's like a Looney Tunes bit. Like it really is fucking stupid. So, Uh, The ship stops rolling and then it starts to fall to tip over. So we get some more drama where Shaw just sort of scuttles crab walks backwards on her hands and avoids getting squashed by like a couple inches, Mm -hmm. like unnecessary, just extra drama to squeeze out. Um, We get an announcement that she only has two minutes of oxygen left. So she makes a mad dash for Vicar's lifeboat, which has been ejected onto the surface. Um, She gets aboard. And her oxygen stabilizes. She immediately starts stuffing stuff into her bag, which doesn't make sense Yeah, I don't know what that today. is. Like, what is that stuff? Yeah. Because she's about to have to leave, but we don't know that yet. I assume her plan would be to stay in this thing for as long as she can. But instead, yeah. it's like she's ransacking it. And then she hears a bunch of banging around in the back. So she grabs what is admittedly a very sweet looking space axe. That's um, cool. Yeah, and starts heading back through uh, the ship uh, through Vickers' now trashed living room and back towards the room with the med pod in it. And what do you know? The squid is still in there and he got big.
0: He's Uh, full grown now.
1: Yeah, he's full grown, which someone on the Internet. This is like a very troll sort of comment, but I did. I did amuse me to think about it's like. In nature, Things grow by consuming some form of biomass. Yeah. So it's like nothing just grows spontaneously. Like it has to take something in. It has to have
0: some, fu- some food.
1: Right. And so I don't know how this squid uh, got a hundred times bigger than it yeah. was. But but it did. Um, She's, you know, freaked out, not sure what to do. Just then David's severed head radios her and tells her, that she needs to bail because the engineer is coming for her. And then immediately he's just in the ship. He gets in through the door and he's sprinting towards her and he pins her against the wall. And. Why? How? What? <laughs> is yeah. It, why is he so mad at her? Yeah. Why is what? And how did he know where she was? He was. Yeah, in I mean, I guess I know why he's mad at her. But yeah. Yeah. But also it's like, so he's just an asshole. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Why is he like, killing everybody? Right. All we really learn is this guy's a dick. Um, So he's about to kill her. She screams die in his face and smashes open the button to the medical bay door. And the squid grabs the engineer and the two of them start tussling. She uses that opportunity to make her escape. So the squid's got a bunch of tentacles and the engineer is putting up a pretty good fight. Uh, and they go at it for a while. Some great looking stuff. Some of it's CGI. A lot of it's practical. Um, And you can kind of make out that the squid, as we see more and more of it, like you said at the beginning, it's almost sort of like a proto face hugger. Mm-hmm. Um, it does share some similarities. Um, And then it opens up its like gross little starfish mouth and reveals that it has like special little mouth tentacles that it grabs. The engineer's face and kind of pulls him in it's like last mile transportation but you know with uh, uh, with murder uh, so it finally overpowers him uh, gets its uh, you know snout proboscis thing down his throat uh, and then basically sucks him in and then collapses on top of him in a blubbery heap I assume mm-hmm. not unlike you once every three to four months uh, laughter Uh. <laughs> <laughs> also, having deposited my. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the squid starts smoking a cigarette. Um, Shaw is out on the surface of the planet. She is weeping and feeling very sorry for herself. And David hits her up again on the radio. Uh, he says, Hey, I know we've had our differences, but I need your help. She wants to know why on earth she should help him. And he says, Because that wasn't the only ship. Uh, and I can fly the ship Mm -hmm. uh so she jumps in a dune buggy and heads for the bridge of the crashed ship she finds david's head uh but before she's going to help him out she wants her cross back it's on his belt she still believes in god um so he lets her know uh that he can get her back to earth once they find the other ship and he gets into the you know the maps and stuff she says i don't want to go back to where we came from i want to go to where they came from right um, she repels down from the ship, uh, with David's head and toe. She explains that he wants to know why. Why does she want to go to their planet? And she deserves to know why they changed their minds and decided to kill people. He says it shouldn't matter why. He doesn't understand. And she says, "I guess it's because I'm human and you're a robot." <laughs> and then she puts his head in a duffel bag. And... I'm kind of with him though.
0: I don't. Yeah. Know. At that point, I
1: don't give a shit why they... Fuck him. (laughs) Who (laughs) fucking cares? Uh, So we get a little callback to the original uh, movie. Final report of the Prometheus. Um, Not going to read the whole thing, but she basically says, hey, if you hear this, don't come here. There is only death. Um, It is New Year's Day, the year of our Lord, 2094. My name is Elizabeth Shaw, last survivor of the Prometheus, and I am still searching yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> we get a blackout credits. No epilogue. We're back with the engineer. He's twitching. We've got a burster situation. It's a little different than what we're used to. We get a pointy back of the head kind of spears its way out of his chest.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and then this creature, the deacon, as I as I mentioned earlier, emerges. He's pretty big and he's blue. The engineer's like nine feet tall. So this guy's already the size of like a human yeah and, it's not like one of those little snaky yeah. chest
0: bursters that we've yeah. grown
1: is used an, to is in infant form uh, does a little screech and then reveals a little double jaw situation it's like jaw kind of punches out it's got some extra teeth and stuff it's pretty gross looking Yeah, it is. and then we get our credits and that is my one hour and 30 minute recap of Prometheus
0: <laughs> hey saved you half an hour from watching the movie um <laughs> All right, so we have a lot of deaths. We have Fifield with a face full of acid into the uh, black goo. Milburn with the snake down his throat. Charlie gets torched. All the guys that mutant Fifield kills outside of the Prometheus. Wayland, Ford, whoever else dies in there with them. Yannick, Chance, and Ravel, who are uh, B.D. Wong and the other fella. Mm, Benedict Uh, Wong. I'm sorry. Sorry. Benedict Wong.
1: I mean it's BD is in his name. So yeah, you yeah, you're not that just is my Totally confusion. a piece of shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um Vickers gets crushed by the ship and then the engineer gets uh, all fucked up by the Demogorgon from Stranger Things. <laughs> what would you say is your favorite death of this whole uh m- sloppy masterpiece? <laughs>
1: I'm hungry. I'm gonna go for a sloppy masterpiece after this. I'll tell you. I wouldn't mind one either. Um, my favorite death in this movie is—I mean, there's some good gore in this. Um, I think that it's got to be the end. I mean, I think it is the engineer and and the squid battle. Um, yeah, it is cool. I mean, if the cry, if, if the med pod actually had a death in it, like that would be it. Like that is the best violent scene in the movie. But no one dies. So, you yeah. um, know, you know, yeah, except perhaps uh, Shaw's innocence.
0: <laughs> I think I'm in agreement with you. I do like the like ultimately what ends up happening with like the snake and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. And the two scientists. But, you know, just kind of conceptually, that whole scene right. drives me insane. So I don't know that I could. Give it this much, you know, coveted award. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I think I am going to have to go with the engineer death because it's very just, cool. Yeah.
1: yeah, we can't uh, just hand these things out willy nilly.
0: No, no. Yeah. And then the rest of them are like, you know, yeah, the vicar's death is stupid, <laughs> <Like> really, really <laughs> unceremonious. I, yeah. I, I guess I do like the sacrifice, the self sacrifice right. of the three pilots, but yeah, the engineer mm-hmm. death that's is very cool. Yeah. Alright then. Um uh, this movie's only uh it's, wow, it's nine only years eight, old. Nine years old now. Yeah. Not much in here that aged poorly, I don't think, in my opinion. As far yeah. as like cringy moments or special effects or Yeah, things I mean like it's that. almost a
1: testament to how well they did the special effects that they they don't like this does feel like a movie. If this movie came out this year, I wouldn't have any like notes about no. like they're kind of old looking. It's like no, they did a really good job. Um, man, I don't know if I have anything. Yeah, I don't really either. Uh, yeah, I mean it's all pretty. Yeah, it's a modern
0: movie,
1: right? Um, yeah, I mean in terms of like the sort of uh, you know, PC cancel culture zone that this has become. I mean. I think. <laughs> I mean, I think the worst thing is you calling Benedict Wong BD a BD bunch of Wong. times. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, um. So
0: anyway, uh, <laughs> we here at Killstreak like to rate how scary these movies are. Uh-huh. Are we sticking with the Craven scale on this one, or do you just want to go like not 1 to after 10? the Alien
1: series? <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Uh, yeah. one to ten yeah fuck it let's do one to ten fuck for it. a little while we're
0: abandoning the West Craven scale <laughs> I'm it sorry, was Wes. too hard
1: rest in peace
0: Yeah, may you rest in peace I do like your movies but mm-hmm. I don't know
1: it was hard Yeah. Um, I have a quick question though if we're yeah. doing one to ten is it one to ten of all movies or one to ten of horror movies like movies oh, where there's wow. some expectation that you would have some kind of scare I guess one to ten of horror movies maybe okay. yeah cool. That helps me because if it's because then it's like anything that succeeds in being scary is immediately like a six or a higher, six. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, for me, on a one to ten of horror movies, I would put this one right in the middle. Four, four, five. I'm going to call it four and a half. Um, OK. There's some good jumps. Not a ton of them. It's more like unsettling. You know, like we talked about body horror tends to be that way. Right. Where it more kind of makes you feel uneasy than it really scares you.
0: Yeah, this isn't a movie. I mean, it's not really even a horror movie. It's more of a violent mm-hmm. sci-fi
1: movie. Yeah. Um.
0: Yeah. I. I think I'm right there with the other. I, I would even maybe go up as high as five because that med pod scene is very sure. effective. Yeah. Um, it is. And it's that you know the creature stuff is pretty pretty freaky. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah. Five for me. Four and a half from you. Okay. Well, uh, uh, I guess. We have to come know. to a consensus, don't do, we? Uh, to no. 4.75? Yeah, there you are. <laughs> 4. <right>. 4.75. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, Mary fuck, kill. Um, so I think, if anything, you know, we, we've, we always end up complaining a lot with mm. these movies because that's just kind of the easiest thing to point out. But uh, I do like this movie. I do. Mm-hmm. I really do. Uh, um, yeah. I'm sticking by my sloppy masterpiece uh, (laughs) assessment and um, sticky sloppy masterpiece. Sticky sloppy masterpiece. It's very gooey, Um, and so yeah, I I don't know if I can stretch it out any further. (laughs) (laughs) There are problems. There are major issues that I have. Mm -hmm. It's there's it's annoying in parts. It's yeah defies logic, but you know a lot of movies I like defy logic a lot of horror mm. movies be like or like yeah why would you go upstairs when yeah. you could just leave the house but Truly. anyway my way of saying this is a mary for me
1: uh-huh. i i i'm a prometheus fan all right um big big uh yeah that's that's exciting it's exciting to hear um yeah i mean we have a lot of the same issues i think um it's hard for me to forget how frustrating it was to see this the first time. Uh I would recommend it to people who've seen it maybe once or twice and and felt that way, because I do think that it it's not that it gets better so much as this as you get desensitized to what's wrong with this movie. Yeah it yeah, makes it easier to enjoy what's right with it, which is a lot of stuff. Um, Ridley Scott is a really impressive filmmaker. Uh, And I don't I think his best days are behind him, but I still think that he is able to make some really interesting things happen. Um, I have huge issues with the character decisions, with the plot of this movie. I think it leaves too much stuff unresolved. Um, And I think one of its biggest sins is is being overstuffed in that in that respect. There's nothing that says that you can't make a movie about profound themes of life and death and, and the meaning of being human and, and still not maintain a sort of simplicity. Like those, those things are not mutually exclusive. I would point people to one of my favorite movies of the last 20 years, um, under the skin. Um, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. By, uh, Jonathan Glazer. Um, that movie, you know, not not talking about all the same stuff, but uh, definitely like tackles some similar themes, and it's sci-fi, and it's violent, and it's very interesting, and it's also like you don't have to talk so much about what you're going after in the way that this movie does, right? Yeah. So I think everybody knows what's wrong with Prometheus in regards to like dumb character decisions. But this is my other big beef with it, that it's like it wants to be so profound. Yes. But it's just like and again, this feels like a little bit of a I hate to keep shitting on Damon Lindelof, but it feels a little bit like lost in that respect where it's like it's a little like college level. Like I want to ask the big questions, but I don't have any fucking answers. Right. You know. So I think for those reasons, I cannot quite rise to merry territory it is for sure a fuck it is a recommended film even i just think that you can almost see how it could have been something great and it didn't quite make it and a lot of that stuff comes down to just like not trying to do quite so much right and that's one of the greatest strengths of ridley scott's alien is it's like he kept it simple and just kind of it it works, right? Everything everything really works. And those characters just get to be their characters. We don't have to constantly be told what their deal is. We just see them be. And I wish we could have had a little bit more of that from this movie.
0: Well said. Well said. Thanks. Um all right. Are we doing a third? You want to yeah, a we'll third, make or? it
1: fast. It'll be fast. It'll be fun and light. Uh and then we'll uh we'll get folks out of here. So all right. Yeah, let's take a quick commercial break, and then uh, we'll be back in a second. Five bad movies. We live in a world where people can be turned into owls, apparently. Apparently. I know this is shocking. Three
0: role-playing gamers. So he whips out a Bunsen burner, lights it up, and uses it like a torch to torch the ghosts. He's going to torch ghosts. Oh, torching ghosts. Holy shit. <laughs> One
1: bizarre podcast. Should we try to dissuade these gentlemen or just go straight to murder? We do the old murder talk. I murder some talk to others.
0: I want to give you a token for reading Ass Magazine the whole time he was digging. Oh, thank you. I think that's very in character. Oh, much
1: appreciated. (laughs) No, I hate magic. I hate magicians. I've had a big fear of magicians ever since I was a kid. Okay, great. Hey, kids, who wants to see a magician? (laughs) Subscribe to Worst Movies Ever Played, wherever you get your podcasts. Vern, I got a loaded gun and a Ralph's back here. Oh, God! (laughs) What's an owl doing with a loaded gun and a hand grenade I guess I
0: okay we are back for our final segment and we have a special one for you uh here today um so as some of, some of you oh my god you're not doing <laughs> it right now are you i'm not doing it right now no <laughs> as some of you may have noticed i have
1: trouble talking sometimes <laughs> i can't talk good um <laughs> This is an old this, running There's a running joke from some of Eric's old podcasts. So if anybody ever listened to what we had Jamerica, right?
0: Yeah. Jim and Eric. Uh, Jamerica with Jim and Eric. Uh, wait. Jim and Eric present Jamerica with Jim and Eric. <laughs> jeans and sports, nipple confusion. Yeah. Um, I am severely affected by speech jammers. Um, and what is the speech jammer you may ask it is a program that kind of plays your own audio back to you at a delay and uh, severely fucks up the way I talk I sound <laughs> drunk
1: <laughs> yeah very drunk the brain gets confused by the delay and auditory feedback of your own voice and it leads to some very fun results and Eric is more susceptible to this effect than anyone I've known uh <laughs> And struggling to come up with a really good end segment. Uh, I had had this one floating around, which was, what if we just made Eric throw on the speech jammer and read some monologues from famous horror movies? <laughs> we, yeah. didn't, we didn't come up with a title for this. Uh, <laughs> no, we're not going to
0: because yeah. we've been recording for three hours. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, yeah, write
1: in if you have a good title. And if we ever do this again, we'll use it. Um, i'm sure we will yeah but without further ado uh let's jump in you want to start with an easy one eric
0: yeah are you gonna uh how are you gonna send this to me
1: i figured i would just send it in the chat
0: if that okay works. let's do that yeah we're using stutterbox.co.uk if you want to try this out for
1: yourself yeah just like alien and prometheus made in england <laughs> um okay so this first one Uh, is a classic it's short i wanted to start you with something easy Um, okay yeah so this is from a movie we've covered on the podcast the big one the original friday the 13th take it away boss
0: all right i'm gonna put on this uh speech jammer (laughs) okay here we go Did you know that a young boy drowned this year before those two others were killed? Yeah, <laughs> The counselors weren't paying any attention. They were making love while the young boy drowned. His name was Jason. I was working that day. It happened preparing meals. Here I was the cook. Jesus Christ, <laughs> Jason should have been watched every minute. He was—he wasn't a very good swimmer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, wonderful, <laughs> wonderful work.
0: <laughs> oh, Jesus,
1: how did that feel?
0: That was painful. I'm gonna—I'm gonna put the delay up a little bit more and see what happens. Okay.
1: Yeah, we'll—we'll we'll, we'll mess with it a little bit while I send you your next monologue. Um. Okay, this one, one of many great insane uh, <clears throat> lines in the, one of my favorite movies ever. The classic Cronenberg's The Fly. Mm. Here we have a monologue by a crazed Seth Brundle.
0: Okay, I'm going to turn it on, and here we go. You're afraid to dive into the plasma pool, aren't you? You're afraid to be destroyed and recreated. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't you? Recreated? I'll bet you think that you woke me up uh, about the flash.
2: (laughs) Don't you?
0: (laughs) You can't penetrate beyond society's sickness. Grey fear of the flesh. <laughs> Drink deep or taste not. The spring, the plasma, the, sp- <laughs> the plasma spring. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not talking about sex and penetration. I'm talking about penetration beyond the veil of flesh. A deep penetration. <laughs>
1: Well done, ah, oh, oh, excellent work. Okay, okay. Wow. I have Jeez. one more, and I, I, I was gonna say. I mean, if you want, I could. I mean, should 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 I have a taste of my own medicine? Do you think I should try to do one, or do you want to? You you have it in you to finish up. I think
0: let's let's uh, why don't you give it a shot?
1: All right, let's give let's give this a go. <laughs> Okay, hold on, I'm going to take my headphones off while I say that this is is a big monologue from the horror-adjacent film, we'll say. The Devil's Advocate. Uh, Get some Al Pacino business going. All right, here goes nothing. Who are you carrying all all those bricks for anyway? God? Is that it? God? Well, I'll I'll tell you, let me give you a little inside information about God. God likes to watch. He's a prankster. Think about it. He gives man instincts. He gives you... Okay. I want to change it up just a little bit. Okay. He gives you... Yeah. Oh. (laughs) He gives you this extraordinary gift, and then what does he do? I swear for his own amusement, his own private cosmic gag reel, (laughs) he sets the rules in opposition. All right, that's good. Wow. You just sound
0: like a drunk
1: asshole. (laughs) This is a fun game. Wow. You guys can do at home with your friends.
0: <laughs> yeah. We're definitely going to do this again because it's hard for us to come up with a third segment. Sometimes
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty easy to set up. That's for damn sure.
0: Um, okay all right, guys. Great. Wow.
1: What should we talk about the, the poll very briefly? The hall of oh, shame poll? poll. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, so we had sent out a poll, uh, to our listeners via Twitter, which you can follow us on Twitter at killstreak pod. Also Instagram, Or email us at killstreakpod at gmail.com. And uh, what we wanted to know was which title, movie title, should be inducted into the Killstreak Hall of Shame for title gore. And uh, Mike, how would you describe title gore as a concept?
1: So we looked at titles that weren't just dumb uh, in terms of like, oh, that's not a good title for that movie. These are titles that truly sort of defy logic or violate the rules of grammar and spelling in ways that are hard to ignore. Uh, And we had some really great candidates. But in the end, we could only induct two into our hall of shame. Uh, and the winner was a runaway, although we did mm-hmm. have uh, a, a pretty good section of the vote, about almost a quarter of the vote for our second place, which was a personal favorite of mine. Do you want to reveal that one, Eric?
0: Yeah, second place was <laughs> two lava, two <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
1: that's right. Two lava, two lantula! exclamation point. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, which, which had a respectable second place showing. And so that one will be inducted into this year's Hall of Shame for title gore. But no one could touch the number one choice with almost 62% of the total vote. It was a runaway, Eric. And who took the prize? My personal favorite,
0: Five Null Destination. <laughs> Looks like Anal Destination.
1: <laughs> yeah, which... You know, uh, tell me more. Anyways, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations to Five Null, Destination, and Two Lava, the first two, the very first class in the Killstreak Hall of Shame. Many more to come, maybe, Yeah, possibly.
0: Yeah, let us know if you have any categories that you'd like us to do a Hall of Shame on, and yeah. we'll gladly do them.
1: Yeah, yeah, you can do that by emailing us at killstreakpod at gmail.com. Uh, sending us a message on Instagram killstreakpod or Twitter killstreakpod. And feel free to leave us a voicemail. There is a link to do that right in the show notes of the episode. We'd love to hear from you.
0: Love to hear it. Hey, next week we're going to be doing alien covenant. My first time seeing it. Um, So I'm actually very excited to see it because there's one thing that I've been learning watching all of these back to back. I really like the aliens movies. So (laughs) Yeah. yeah,
1: They're they're fun to watch. Yeah, I am excited. As always, you can find that one on HBO Max. We'll be watching the original version. I don't think there even is an extended cut, but even if there is, I'm done caring. I'm gonna watch the yep. theatrical cut. Same here. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then we'll later that week, I guess. Yep. Mm-hmm. We'll have to
0: figure that out. Uh, we're gonna record a ranking episode. And then we'll announce our new series that we're going to do. Got to yeah. figure that out as well. <laughs>
1: hey, you know, it's, in a, it's it, We've got an exciting week and a half ahead of us. But Yes,
0: we do. Yeah.
1: For now, just look for that Alien wrap-up and rankings episode uh, next Thursday. Not this coming Thursday. Right. Uh, Andy, you have a final quote for us, Mike? Oh, shit. Yeah, that's probably my job. I didn't even think about that.
0: And... As always, uh, (laughs) uh, there's
1: nothing. I know. Have a good journey, Mr. Wayland.